1: This is the Opening Drive Podcast
3: on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: <sighs> Good. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis where it's 7 o'clock time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley. I'm Randy Kerrick. Great to have you with us. Danny's schedule by the way, Danny Mac's schedule is going to be Tuesday through Friday so Dan McLaughlin will not be with us on Mondays but we are with you and Brooke it's minus two degrees. It's all the way up to (laughs) minus two. Are you a a happy camper?
2: No, Randy, I'm not. It is painfully cold outside and I always think every year, okay, it won't be that bad. And that if you set foot outside this weekend, it was painfully cold.
4: Yeah. Oh man, Matthew Rocchio was telling me. So tell me, tell us about your uh, your morning. And Matthew's working on other stuff. So I'm going to Take him away from that.
5: It was cold. <laughs> and then I woke up. I woke up. It was cold. And I and then I got out to my car. It was cold. And then and then it was cold in my car for like seven minutes longer than it is when it's like 25 (laughs) degrees because that's how long it took to warm up my car it was a very cold day and i was very Very, i had a scarf wrapped around my head like a balaclava where there's my eyes (laughs) and i had my hood on my hoodie lowered down so i kind of i had some peripheral so i'm not driving Uh like a maniac but yeah that was that was unpleasant
2: (laughs) it's so bad and then winter warm-up this weekend going to that
4: oh man and i was at the writer's dinner last night and it was fabulous and everybody had a great time but it was cold but you know what brooke My heart is warmed.
2: Oh, why is that, Randy? By the fact
4: that, uh, number one, the Grinch's heart stayed small, small, small. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, both uh, the devil and his advocate... Jarrah Jarrah and uh, Stan being the devil Jarrah being his uh, sidekick Uh, They both lost yesterday Neither of them will get to play uh, more playoff games in the big stadium It's
2: it's poetic justice, Mm -hmm. Randy It is For the Lions to beat the Rams Uh So many great storylines there, which we'll get into And then, for the Cowboys to lose to the Packers How about them Cowboys? You knew it was coming, right?
4: I kind of had an idea I did. I, Jordan Love has been so hot, right? And he was sensational in this game. And it is who the Cowboys are. Even though they'd won 16 mm-hmm. consecutive regular season games at home, what do they do in the playoffs? Brooke, here we are, 29 years since Dallas was in an NFC championship game. 22 years since St. Louis was in an NFC championship game. And we haven't had a team for eight years. <laughs>
2: Does that make you so happy, <laughs> Randy? It makes you so happy. It makes you so happy. Yeah. But it's, it's what was expected out of the Cowboys. Jordan Love, not to take away anything from them, but it's just so the Cowboys for it to end up in that situation. But the Packers have been such an exciting team to watch because of Jordan Love and what he's been able to do. Yeah,
4: it's been really fun to watch. And how interesting will it be? Because next week it'll be the Packers at San Francisco. How about an NFC Championship game between the Lions and the Packers?
2: Ooh. wouldn't
4: that be wild
2: i like the lions a lot i do too. the same with lions right yeah i love dan campbell and mm-hmm. how he is i know that you were busy at the writers dinner but i just love watching him on the sidelines when they cut to him i mean he looks like he could run out in the field at any moment
4: he really does. And he'd probably hurt some people. He would. But he'd bite some kneecaps. <laughs> no, he's great. He's, he's fun. He's good for the NFL. He is. So we're, we're going to get onto that. Here's what we've got coming up on the show. Chris Kerber is going to join us. We want to hear from you throughout the course of the morning. Obviously, the winter warm up continues. It'll conclude today down at Ballpark Village. But as you watched and heard comments or read them on Twitter, what were your thoughts and uh, whatever it was we'd like to know from you and you can use a mic drop feature if you're any more or less excited about the 2024 cardinals and brooke was there yesterday we'll talk to uh, brooke about what she heard and i had a chance as she mentioned to be over at the baseball writers dinner let's bring you up to date on what happened over the weekend the blues with another pretty solid effort in a 4-3 loss to the bruins in overtime two power play two power play goals for the two blues. yeah mm-hmm. it's uh they're red hot it's <laughs> it's un- unbelievable are
2: they still the worst in the league with power play percentage
4: No, so i think they're only uh second to worst
2: nice that's yeah. an improvement we're
4: making progress here slow but sure yes yeah and so the blues uh still in the playoff hunt if the play started today they'd still be on the the outside looking in but they finish off the homestand and that tough schedule tonight against the flyers and we'll have the action for you here on 101 espn at six with the, uh, with the actual faceoff at seven, so that'll be great. College basketball over the weekend, Mizzou falls in overtime to South Carolina, 71-69. 10th ranked Illinois loses to Maryland yesterday, 76-67. The Fighting Illini with their largest loss of the season, a surprise hiccup against unranked Maryland. Domas with uh, has 26, but only gets one other player in double figures for the game. And now, here we go to the NFL weekend. First of all, Saturday, the Texans and mm-hmm. your guy cj stroud boy they rolled the browns 45 14. it was not pretty for joe flacco at all
2: no uh randy i think the magic of the Browns season and joe flacco definitely ran out especially when you mm-hmm. saw those back-to-back pick sixes from joe flacco mm-hmm. towards the end there you knew that the magic ran out but what cj was able to do with his offense—that's a first beginning. name basis yeah, it's yeah. Good. oh cj and i yeah yeah, yeah uh-huh. we're tight like that yeah good which is weird for me being obviously a titans fan but I really, and I've been saying this all year, Randy, I really have enjoyed watching C.J. Stroud because I don't think many people were expecting it. D'Amico Ryans also deserves a lot of credit, his first time being the head coach of the Texans. And so there's a lot of firsts for this team. But C.J. Stroud, I believe, is the reason why. He really does get the most out of the guys around him.
4: This is the first time I've ever really thought that the Texans were legitimate in their entire existence, even when they were going to playoffs. Mm -hmm. I never really thought that they were legit. No. And now I do.
2: Exactly, and that's what the surprise is, and it's because of C.J. Stroud and what he's able to do. The Browns, though, they have had a really good season. The Browns' defense, that's what Mm. I was surprised about. I thought the game would be a little bit closer because of the Browns' defense and what they've been able to consistently do. They're a top-five defense in the league. And I didn't know how C.J. Stroud would stack up against that, but he had no problem whatsoever.
4: They have some work to do in Cleveland still. Even though they had their nice run, they've got some work to do. The other game on Saturday night is Harrison Butker, the MVP of the Chiefs. (laughs) 26-7
2: is the final over the Dolphins. If you want to, but I'm going to give the MVP also, if we're talking about defense, the Chiefs defense. Yeah, I think that they are a huge reason why that the Chiefs have been able to really power through all of this. There was a lot of positives, though. I think Rasheed Rice emerging really as that true number 1 mm-hmm. wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes was Remember a highlight of the uh, game. Rogers
4: Darkness Retreat, right?
2: Yes. Big, big Rasheed Rice fan uh-huh. over here. Uh-huh. But the Chiefs' defense is what really stood out to me. Especially, they were able to handle... I mean, the Dolphins offense obviously isn't what we've seen recently, hasn't been what we saw earlier in the season, Mm -hmm. but you can't take away from the fact of this is still supposed to be a really good offense and the Chiefs defense just dismantled them.
4: And the Chiefs defense is the youngest in the league. And they're a different, different defense when they have Nick Bolton healthy. They, they had do. that stretch when he was hurt during the season where they weren't as good as they are. He's That's sort of a difference maker. Yeah,
2: and you have Chris Jones. I mean, that yep. that signing worked out. I'm glad that that worked out, and obviously he was worth that. But then Legarius Sneed, I thought, was somebody who really stood out mm-hmm. in that game. The way that he was able to just really freeze. You see what I did there? Yeah. Freeze well Tyreek Hill uh-huh. there. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch just the fans at that game? If oh, I want to know man. if anybody went to that game at Arrowhead – what that experience was like because seeing all the frozen beers i know that and brock mentioned this but i saw this where you could bring in um what is it called cardboard, cardboard oh, yes yeah, uh-huh. to help it, um, with your feet yeah i want to know what that experience was like how
4: about the people that were uh, shirtless
2: i saw that that
4: was crazy those people are not of their right mind <laughs>
2: Are you not worried about dying? Uh, yeah, frostbite, it, uh, <laughs> yeah. You, uh,
4: hypothermia. Yeah, that, that sort of thing does happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so then we get to yesterday, and the Green Bay Packers are at Dallas, where the Cowboys have won 16 in a row during the regular season. And on the Packers' first drive, Aaron Jones caps a 12-play, 75-yard drive, took seven and a half minutes, half the first quarter. Seven nothing in favor of the Packers. And the Cowboys go three and out, and the Packers get the ball back. And uh, they go three and out. But then when they get the ball back late in the first quarter, they drive to another Aaron Jones one yard touchdown run just a short drive after a f- turnover. Three plays, 19 yards, 14 nothing in favor of the Packers. Then another Jordan Love drive, 10 plays, 93 yards, takes 544. A touchdown pass to Don Terry and uh, Don Tervion Wicks. And all of a sudden it's 20 to nothing. But you never know with. Dak Prescott is Dak Prescott down twenty to nothing. Is he going to be able to bring the Cowboys back?
1: Catch on four targets. Second and two here. There's Prescott. The middle. It's going to be picked off,
6: and no one in front of him. Darnell Savage. Touchdown!
4: Oh dang it! Twenty-seven to nothing. They'd missed an extra point. Twenty-seven to nothing at that point. Twenty-seven-seven at halftime. But it wasn't over yet. Uh, Brandon Aubrey hit a field goal to make it twenty-seven to ten, and you're thinking, okay, there might be a little bit of a threat here. But Aaron Jones with his third touchdown of the day to make it thirty-four to ten, and then after Dallas had scored a touchdown before the third period was out, Jordan Love struck again. Fake it to him here, Love. Back
1: foot That's a man. Towards the end zone, he is in touchdown. Green Bay.
4: (laughs) Love also hit Romeo Dobbs with another touchdown pass to make it 48 to 16, and then Dallas added some garbage time stuff, and uh, 48 32 was the final. Uh, (laughs) Randy,
2: it's so. predictable. (laughs) It's so predictable. And also, I don't know if you saw, prior to this, Dak had this interesting quote that was going viral as well, where he talked about that he bought a bunch of LV bags to, I guess, kind of envision getting to it, because we know it's going to be in Las Vegas. The Super Bowl is going to be in Las Vegas. So he said, he told some reporters that he got a bunch of louis v bags to remind him about going to las vegas for the super bowl kind of a reminder to help him mm-hmm. of like okay we got to we got to keep this in mind he even got his girlfriend or whoever she is to him his uh-huh. girlfriend some lv bags too it's just like the cowboys just walk themselves into a lot they of this sure stuff. Do. they really yeah. really do and i know this will make you even happier randy mm-hmm. is jerry jones had a press conference and it sounds like what you would kind of expect. You could have just played this from last year. It sounds something like we've heard before. I we really like him. this, huh? Yeah. Uh,
1: this is uh, one of my most surprises
7: since I've been involved in sport, period. So this is uh, uh, that degree. I know how disappointed everybody is. So i
4: In
3: terms of playoff losses, where does this one rank for you?
4: Well, I don't have, uh, uh, really, I can't reach back and look at a playoff loss, uh, uh,
1: but this uh, seems like the, uh, the, the most uh, painful uh, because uh, we all had such great expectation and we had hope for this team and uh, uh, thought that we were
7: aligned in a great shape in great shape and uh, uh, it didn't happen for us and it's as fresh on me right now as it is on anybody else but i don't uh, i won't get into uh, any uh, of the uh, addressing of any aspects of any
2: part of. If you aren't watching on YouTube, you need to go back and watch Randy's reaction to that because he is so giddy, is the way to describe it right now. He is giddy. So what is your reaction to that, Randy?
4: Oh, I love the fact that Jerry is beside himself. He just doesn't get it. It's so fun to know... not only did they lose last night and not only did they get drilled in the playoffs by san francisco last year and they've lost to the 49ers several times in the playoffs they've Mm. lost to the packers they they take their hits they uh heck they even lost to the rams one time in the playoffs a couple times in the playoffs but uh to have jerry jones uh lose again it, it thrills me i just love to see his failures and it's also great to know that as long as he lives, he can—he's 81. He can live to 101, and his team's never going to win a Super Bowl. <laughs>
2: you can't say never you never. think it's never gonna happen not as long as he's in charge <laughs> well you know maybe there is a common denominator here randy and i don't know if jerry jones is fully aware of that but it's interesting that little pause that he had when she asked him the reporter asked him about where this ranks amongst the playoff losses that he's experienced and he's probably calculated in his brain how many that he has seen he's like well uh, yeah. quite a bit
4: i think it's actually better and i hate it when the cowboys win during the regular season but i like it better when they lose in the playoffs i love love to have his hopes and dreams just absolutely crushed just (laughs) his heart stomped on by the opposition and jordan love it's great you know dak prescott making a what 40 million a Mm -hmm. year and i am a Dak defender i guess i shouldn't be but to see them get drilled by not only the youngest team in the league but by far the youngest team in the league Mm -hmm. pretty darn cool
2: and now the mike mccarthy hot seat is the big topic is he going to be gone and is bill belichick going to take over
4: do they would belichick take the job would jerry and stephen jones be willing to cede control to belichick because they'll have to give him a level of control that mike mccarthy and jason garrett and wade phillips didn't enjoy and then the third question i would have is why would you even though the defense wasn't great yesterday it was really a product of turnovers that they lost as badly as they did dan quinn is like the hottest coaching defensive coordinator out there why not go with the guy that you have in house Why not? That you can control. But I wouldn't be surprised if they bring it back with McCarthy and... Dak said that he wants McCarthy to be the guy, mm-hmm. although they might not want Dak or McCarthy to be the guy.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, is Dak going to also be there? You never know yep. with Jerry.
4: So you got the Cowboy loss yesterday afternoon, and then last night, Ford Field, Detroit, Lions score first on a one-yard touchdown run by David Montgomery, Rams come back, Brett Maher with a 24-yard field goal. But things are looking good at the end of the first quarter as Jameer Gibbs goes over from 10-14-3 in favor of Detroit. But big play Rams, Puka Nakua catches a 56-yard touchdown pass from Stafford to make it 14-10. But a St. Louis guy doing St. Louis good, playing first of all and then scoring second of all.
1: Two for the touchdown. Goff looking to throw. Throws back to the inside. Touchdown to Trent again. Three
4: for three. 21-17 at halftime, and the Rams were never even again. It was 24-17. After a Badgley hit a 54-yard field goal early in the third, Marr with another field goal in the third, and then he hit one in the fourth quarter. And the Rams actually had a chance late, but on a second and nine on their final drive with the Rams defense threatening to put Detroit into a p- position where they had to punt, their quarterback Jared Goff came through.
1: Alive, in five. Goff's gonna throw it. In.
4: And that was all she wrote as the Rams lose twenty four twenty
6: three.
2: Yeah, there you go.
4: Yeah,
2: that was the biggest part too of when I was talking about poetic justice. The fact that you had that great storyline mm-hmm. of the quarterback switch, and of course they talked about it all during the broadcast. So mm-hmm. there's no way you could have missed that that happened. But for Jared Goff, I thought that that was just such a great redemption for him because that's something where when you went every- went through everything like he did with the Rams, it could really shut you down. Instead, mm-hmm. he talked about how much it- he. Used it to motivate him and you saw that yeah you saw how locked in he was but then you have so many of the st. Louis connections the Lions they have such a young talented group too where you could really see that this isn't just gonna be one season of success they're gonna be able to really build off of this right
4: so this afternoon on, uh, on first alert Four. Uh, three, three, thirty. No,
2: you're gonna get sued. You can't do that. Baby. No, it's on, it's on
4: their. Sto- it's on their station. Oh, okay.
2: I thought you were gonna say we're um, first alert no, four. No, no, I'm, I'm promoting <laughs> yeah. it. It, it.
4: On, on their, We don't have the game, unfortunately. But uh, first alert four. I don't think we do because we have blues hockey. We can't do yeah. that. We don't have time. So Steelers and Bills on, on the, on. Channel 4 this afternoon at 3.30, and then Joe and Troy have the ESPN game at 7.15, Eagles and Bucks to wrap up Super Wild Card Weekend, and that's what we have to get things started for here on 101 ESPN. We do have the text line open if you'd like to participate uh, as we go along during the show, and the text line brought to you by our Air Comfort Service, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. But coming up, guess what I'm picking? We've got three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN.
3: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: Alright, three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, why don't you go first with... Number three. There you go.
2: Mine is going to be watching one, I know, Randy, you're going to talk about it because it's always fun to talk about. There's a lot of reasons why you would root against the Rams last night if you're here in St. Louis for obvious reasons. We know the big obvious one, but also another reason being there were so many St. Louis connections. You have Sam Laporta from Highland, Illinois. You have Jack Fox from Ladue. You have Jameson Williams from Cardinal Ritter. And I do have to give credit to Kyron Williams. He had a fantastic season on the Rams side mm-hmm. and for what he's able to do. And he went to Viani. So I just love seeing all those guys performing at such a high level, it gives you another thing to root for. I already like the Lions a lot this season. I like Dan Campbell. I like everything that they're building in Detroit. And the fact that this is something they have – haven't been able to do in over thirty years,
6: mm-hmm.
2: and I really like that whole storyline. But to see all the St. Louis connections, um, it just—it was like one of those moments where you're like, you're looking and watching the game on the TV. You're like, "Oh, he went, he went to Ladue High School." <laughs> right, exactly. he went, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just—it's such a fun moment to talk about that. Yeah,
4: uh, Brooke, my number three is the winter warm-up because here we are. I don't know if you got in your car yesterday when it was like minus 8 degrees or when you uh, looked at your phone over the weekend and saw that it was like minus 11, but the winter warmup tells us that spring training is just a month away and that baseball is here. So I'm really glad, even though it, it is cold, that the Cardinals do the winter warm-up at this time of year which I guess because it's Martin Luther King Day they do it this time of year every week every year and it's this cold uh, this weekend every single year but at least we know that spring training and the start of baseball is only a month away and that's my number 3
0: number 2
2: my number two is just a great night on Saturday. I went to the Missouri Athletic Club downtown and watched the Chiefs and the Blues game. And it was just a lot of fun. We brought some uh, some friends with us and we had some cigars. And there's nothing more fun than just being in a bar with a bunch of people. And I know you brought this up with Fenton and Bar and Grill before, of just having that moment where everybody's watching locked in on the game. And so it was just a lot of fun. It was a nice night.
4: That's awesome. Uh, I was actually with a group of people last night, and my number two is the Baseball Writer's Dinner. And it was great to see Ali Marmol and get together. I had a chance to interview Adam Wainwright and Wilson Contreras. And- I'll tell you what, these kids that the Cardinals are bringing along and we know about Walker and Wynn, they're so impressive. Victor Scott II is a very impressive young man and I can't wait until he's here. I went up to him, there was a a reception before everything got started and I said, I don't want to put you on the spot, I just want, want to know, do you know who Vince Coleman is? He said, oh, yeah, I know who Vince Coleman is. So Vince Coleman came up in 85 as a rookie. He had stolen 145 bases two years before in A-ball. Then he stole 101 bases. He skipped double-A, went to triple-A, stole 101, then comes up. And people that were around in 1985, he just turned on the Cardinals. He was the spark, and uh, the team won 101 games. Vince stole 110 bases. So Victor Scott can do that. He wants to do that, and one of his goals is to be uh, a Cardinal in 2024. He wants to make his major league debut this year but also uh, Max Ragic the Cardinal Minor League Pitcher of the Year, and then Ivan Herrera, who's going to be a stud. And I'm, I'm looking forward to him. And then... Uh, I had Adam Wainwright tell the story about his shoulder injury, when he got it. And you you know what a great storyteller yeah. Adam is. And he's talking about that last start warming up. And Adam, he chokes up. He he, he starts crying a little bit. And this... He, you made
2: him cry? Uh, he and Wilson.
4: <laughs> uh, but Adam is such a great storyteller. That's what I'll oh, miss yeah. most about... Wednesdays with Wayno it's not getting insight on the team it's hearing his stories Mm -hmm. and I'm so thankful that he's going to be part of Major League Baseball as a broadcaster but man it was good to see all the guys and uh, good to get ready for the baseball season
2: yeah
0: Number one.
2: And that plays into my number one, Randy, because day two of the winter warmup was a lot of those younger players. We got to hear from Jordan Walker. We got to hear from Brendan Donovan and Jose Fermin. Just a lot of the younger guys were the big talkers of day two. And my biggest takeaway from day two is that Brendan Donovan has really emerged as a leader and a voice for the Cardinals, especially going into the season. Even Jordan Walker was talking about how Brendan Donovan has kind of acted as another hitting coach for him. And he said he's very blunt, but he likes that. And he has a great way about going about it. You could just tell, too, by the way that Brendan Donovan was talking about this season, his competitive nature. I think that it's great to see him being a lot more vocal because he has always been. And he said he's a lead by example guy. But it's very clear just based off of what Lars was saying, what Jordan was saying, all the guys who talked yesterday, Brendan Donovan's name was brought up. And he's a type of player where I like that he's taking that leadership role. We saw how hard of a worker that he has been. Mm-hmm. and how he really just leaves it all out there on the field. He's a player that really backs up his talk with his play. He talks a talk and he walks a walk. And I think that that's a great leader to emerge for the Cardinals.
4: And, Brooke, I hope he doesn't defer. And you mentioned to me that no Arenado in town for the winter warm-up this weekend, no Goldschmidt at the winter warm-up this weekend. No no, Miles no, mi- no Miles Michaelis. And those guys, they have lives to lead. They all have kids. Mm-hmm. They, they've got stuff going on in their lives. But... The fact of the matter is he's here during a weekend like this to take a leadership mantle, and they aren't. So I hope that he doesn't defer just because they're veterans. Because we've heard, we we, we talk to players and people around the ball club, neither Arenado or Goldie are quintessential leaders where you say, okay, that's the guy that is going to... Uh, drag this team into the fight brendan donovan seems to be that kind of a guy oh he is he
2: definitely is and i've enjoyed watching him even since he came up and when you're talking about nolan nolan has a lot of respect for brendan donovan i remember when he was coming up he talked about how brendan donovan really was a spark for him and he continues to be that but i also respect brendan too a lot because him and i connected on the military background i come from a big military Mm -hmm. family his father obviously even more so uh served as well And you can just tell he holds himself in that manner. And he does a lot for our veterans, too. But Brendan Donovan, you can tell, of has that whole military brat mentality where it's definitely rubbed off on how he plays and carries himself, too.
4: Brooke, my number one is...
2: How about them, Cowboys? (laughs) (laughs)
4: Not Not only did they lose a playoff game. Not only did they lose a home playoff game. Not only did they lose to the youngest team in the National Football League they were behind 48 to 16 (laughs) the game was over you know when the Rams beat the the st. Louis Rams uh, beat the Minnesota Vikings they were ahead 49 to 17 before the Vikings scored some garbage time points to make it 49 37 at the end that was after the 1999 season anniversary tomorrow by the way Uh, but the Packers beat the Cowboys 48-32, to 32, and it should have been 49. They missed an extra point. Uh, that's How could you love anything more about the weekend? Well, you could enjoy the night game. That's how you could, because the former St. Louis Rams, who lied and uh, snaked their way out of town and ripped our city in the process, they lose a heartbreaker to the St. Louis Lions, 24-23. Not only is it the fact that the Rams lost... To the Lions but it's the fact that the Rams lost to Sam Laporta scoring a touchdown to Jack Fox having a great punting night Uh, the the fact that the the Rams lost to some people who are really dedicated to st. Louis makes it all the better for me so uh, I really hope that Jerry Jones and Stan Kroenke enjoy watching the rest of the playoffs in their giant stadiums with their giant big screens. They can watch from their luxury boxes and enjoy other teams continuing to participate in the playoffs.
2: And just be so angry. I mean, yeah. they're such great people, Randy. Oh, I don't yeah, know why wonderful. you could ever find anything to dislike about them.
4: I have no idea how you could. <laughs> yeah, how, how could you find a way to dislike those guys? Yeah. Do
5: you have any empathy when it comes to elderly people in Texas who are uh, pushed off their land? Oh well, there's a good point, Matt. I mean, you going to go with a non-football one because people always say that, well, you're weird that you can't get over the Rams. Well, can't get over horrible people getting good things happening to them.
4: And you know what? It's not like Stan is the most popular guy in St. Louis, or in he's clearly not popular in St. Louis. But even even in L.A., I mean, I oftentimes get stopped in Los Angeles, and they'll go, "Are you that guy?" F- you asshole, F- go back to St. Louis. <laughs> So that's, you know, as he's walking around Beverly Hills, outside his Beverly Hills condo today, that might be what he here. mm. hears. And you, one thing that, about Stan, you know, uh, Brooke, they they have, like we have here in St. Louis, every every major city has an out, unhoused problem, right? Yes. And they do in L.A. It's, it's warm and nice. Well, I told everyone in the room today that I have not been able to understand the emotion since 2002. <laughs> And that leads to well, without getting into all the details of it, I mean, dealing with people with lower incomes wasn't something I particularly looked forward to, frankly.
2: I feel like that's how he really feels. I feel like that's 100% how he really feels. Do Arsenal fans even like him? I haven't no, kept up with. No. Exactly. They, they, that's they what curse. I'm saying. Is there forever. any fan base that truly yeah. likes him no. that he owns? No, not at all. Not at all. Uh,
4: that's, I loved that weekend. That was fun. Uh, that was really good.
2: It was great. <laughs> Poetic so, justice.
4: Yeah. Uh, coming up, we've got four downs from this weekend in the NFL on 101 ESPN.
2: The smartest way to
6: do your homework is
0: You
3: are back to the Opening Drive podcast
0: on 101 ESPN
3: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for
4: four downs from the National Football League. First down. Oh
2: ho ho ho. I am going with the Texans and the Browns. We got to talk about CJ Shroud. So the magic ran out for the Browns mm-hmm. and Joe Flacco. A lot of credit for everything they were able to do this season, especially the amount of quarterbacks that they went through to get to Joe Flacco and literally pull him off of his couch and put him mm-hmm. back out there. Um, but, yeah, the magic ran out, Randy. But the magical season continued for C.J. Stroud and company. And that 45-14, to 14, could you call that a thrashing?
4: Yeah, that's a big-time thrashing. Yeah. Uh, another yeah. way to do uh-huh. that.
2: At 22 years old, C.J. Stroud became the youngest quarterback to ever win an NFL playoff game, beating out Michael Fitz. Evic, doing so by shredding the number one ranked defense. In the NFL, and he did it early in that game, Randy. If you watch that, the way that he was just able to just slice through that defense, you wouldn't think that that was the number one ranked defense. And the Browns' defense has been a big key of their success all season. He had three touchdown passes. We talked about how he's really elevated the play of these guys in Dalton Schultz, Nico Collins, and Brevin Jordan, and a total of 260 yards to pull ahead 24 to 14 at halftime. That game was done early on for him and for the Texans and if you were doubting CJ Stroud and the Texans even throughout the season and there was times where I'm like well surely the, tech the Texans aren't going to be able to pull this off you can't doubt them anymore and what they've been able to pull off
4: I, I as I told you earlier I think they're legit and I think they can beat anybody I think that on, on the right day with the right weather they're capable of beating anybody and a lot of it has to do with those two high picks when Jake mm-hmm. Stroud 2 and Will Anderson 3 man it, they, they are something and by the way uh, D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud, the first co- rookie quarterback yes. combo duo ever to win a playoff game. Pretty good.
2: It is. So. And now we'll second
4: down. Yep. Uh, no problem. Here, Here is second down. Bro- second down. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's take a look at this century for the Cowboys, shall we? Uh, 29-10 loss in the playoffs to the Panthers in 2003, 2006, a 21-20 loss to Seattle. Uh, you also had in 2007, a 21-17 loss to the New York football giants who wound up winning the Super Bowl over the Patriots. Uh, boy, 2009, that was a lot better. Oh, no, it wasn't. They lost 34-3 to the Vikings. <laughs> lost 26-21 to the Packers in 2014. They lost 34-31. Uh, that was to the Packers. That one was fun. That was in 2016. 2018, it's the Rams that knock them out 30 to 22. 23-17 was the final in 2021 as they lost to the Niners. Lost to the Niners last year, uh nineteen to twelve, and then forty-eight thirty-two yesterday. The Dallas Cowboys, how about them, Cowboys, have not won a playoff or have not won been in an NFC championship game since the last time they were in. A super bowl back after the 1995 season how about them cowboys <laughs> i love the fact that the cowboys do this every single year and you know what another trip around the sun every year for jerry jones uh, he, uh, father time is undefeated He's, <laughs> yeah he, uh, so th- this is a race this is a race for jerry uh-huh. can he win a super bowl no and Father Time. I think Father Time wins this one, Brooke and Matthew, I, I think But that, that's uh, why he
2: created Jerry Jones AI, Randy.
4: Oh, Do you yeah, think that's why scary. he
2: actually created that? Probably
4: is, yeah. He'll, he's probably AI probably celebrates a Super Bowl, probably
5: try to be at a parade, but we'll know that the real Jera is six foot under. This is like an old English <laughs> folk tale. Even even for the Crypt Keeper, even for the Cryptkeeper, does the bell toll? Yeah, that's the question. He kind of looks like he should already be. I'm saying, if the can the undead die is the question I'm asking. (laughs) (laughs) Good good (laughs) question. Mm.
2: (laughs) It's so bad.
5: Third
2: down. Thank you. So, mine for third down is going to be the Chiefs beating the Dolphins. Now, the real MVP, I believe, and you can't discount everything that Patrick Mahomes was able to do in that game. You saw where he literally broke his helmet, and I love his compete level. That's why it's hard for me to ever root against him, because he lays it all out there every single game. But to me, the real MVP of the season for the Chiefs is going to be their defense and everything that they were able to do.
4: But he's always going to be the MVP, though.
2: Oh, there you go. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But we should have known with the Dolphins offense. Don't you remember, Randy, earlier in the season with the Dolphins? And they were such a high-powered offense where they were drawing comparisons to the greatest show on turf. Mm -hmm. We should have known then that they would always fall short of the greatest show on turf because nobody could ever compare to what they were able to accomplish. Now, I know as of late, as I mentioned, they haven't been playing as well. We haven't seen as much of that. You still can't discount what the Chiefs defense has been able to do consistently all season Mm -hmm. to help Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs really get to this point. The Dolphins were held to just 264 yards. One play, if you saw, accounted for twenty percent of the Dolphins total offense. It was that fifty three yard touchdown pass to Tyree Kill that you saw from Tua there. Mm -hmm. And just to draw a comparison, Patrick Mahomes threw for over two hundred and sixty yards. Just so that you could (laughs) see kind of where the differences lie there. And the Chiefs held the Dolphins one of 12 on third down. They sacked to it twice, hit him for another five times. He was also picked off in the first half, and the Chiefs have now allowed 20 or fewer points in 14 of their 18 games a season, which leads the league. So, the Chiefs defense deserves a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Nick Bolton earlier. Him being back, I think, is a huge shift for its maker. But also, Legerea Sneed, what he That's was huge. able to do, how he's able to freeze Tyree Kill throughout the game, I think that he deserves a lot of credit as well.
4: And, Brooke, you made a great point about the third down conversions. And I think they were, the Dolphins were either 0 for their first seven or eight. But. They never got a chance to sustain a drive. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that Spag's defense is, even here, they usually did pretty well on third down over the course of a season. And for whatever reason, he dials up things that opposing quarterbacks haven't seen or aren't ready for. And I think that's what happened on Saturday night. That defense does show the opposition a lot of looks that they've never seen before. That's hard to do in the NFL. It is. But I'm sure that Tua was... Kind of, his head was spinning as he's looking about at at what's going on across the line of scrimmage from him.
2: Yeah, and then offensively, you do have to give credit Mm -hmm. to Rasheed Rice continuing to emerge as that number one wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes.
4: Yeah, he's he's going to be great. Fourth down. All right. Yes. Do we all? Well, ninety nine percent of us love the fact that the Rams lost. Yes, but let's look at this from a positive. Okay, let's look at the team that won the game. Highland Sam Laporta, three catches, fourteen yards, had a touchdown. Uh, Three catches on three targets, by the way. Jamison Williams, Cardinal Ritter, a couple of catches, big catches, by the way, for 19 yards. And the best uh, punter in the National Football League, Jack Fox, (laughs) punts three times, 49.3 average. All three inside the 20, including a big 61-yarder. I know a lot of Cardinal people are listening right now. I think just because of last night. Doesn't matter what happens the rest of the playoffs. Those three. Laporta, Williams, Fox need to be invited to throw out a first pitch, maybe all in unison at a Cardinal game.
2: Ooh, I like that idea, Randy. They
4: are. And by the way, they're all, they they love St. Louis. They, mm-hmm. they love coming home. So I think that would be really fun to have them celebrated here in town for doing what they did last night in beating the franchise that hates us so
2: much. I, I like that idea a lot, Randy. I, I like the we idea of eliminating
4: happen. evil. <laughs> Yeah, so, so Cardinals, it's Laporta, it's Jamison Williams, it's Jack Fox. You're welcome.
2: You're welcome. Make yeah. it happen. They will get a lot of cheers.
4: Those are four downs from the NFL here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line three one four three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine. Yo ho, take it or leave it. Is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You are back
1: to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Take it or leave it. Want
0: to say something?
3: Want to put it out there?
0: it you can take it if you don't set it right back get your
3: text into
1: 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it
3: brought to you by gloria lou realty visit gloria and start packing that's my final offer take it or leave it
4: In Yo ho. Yo. Okay, uh, Brooke, Matthew, I am going to give you what I believe will be the preponderance of the position players to play for the Cardinals in no particular batting order, but Nude Barr, Edmund, Walker, Arenado, Wynn, Donovan, Goldie, and behind the plate, Wilson Contreras. And DH, you know, let's put Nolan Gorman in there. He's not going anywhere, it appears. Last year, the Major League average for stolen bases by a team. Was 117. The Cardinals stole 101. Take it or leave it, the Cardinals have more stolen bases than the league average in 2024 as I, a team.
2: I'm going to take it.
4: I'm going to take it too. I think they're going to turn them loose.
2: I, they should. I yeah. was surprised that they didn't last season. Yep. And with Mason
4: Wynn being here all year, hopefully Edmund is healthy. Mm-hmm. Jordan Walker, holy cow, he's an NFL tight end. He's 6'6 and 260 now. He is
2: 260. But he can yeah.
4: run. And then Lars can run uh, Mm -hmm. and Donovan uh, at times can run. I think they're going to eclipse 117 stolen bases as a team. And it's amazing to think that the league average for a team last year was 117. Major League Baseball is talking that up like that's a huge thing. And it is. it's It's a good thing. Vince Coleman stole 110 in a season by himself.
2: (laughs) Well, and you thought with the rule changes and everything happens, you know, with the bag getting bigger, that the Cardinals would utilize that a little bit more because they have, we've seen that they have the players capable to do that, but they didn't. And so I would hope that this season that they take more advantage of that because when we were talking about the Reds and how they had such a good season, they stole a lot of bases, I feel like.
4: They did. I think they were second in baseball. Let's see. Uh, Diamondbacks were first. Where were the Reds? Red stole 100 and uh, 190.
2: That's what I thought. Yeah. That, they I felt they, like that they led a... all the
4: baseball. They were, they were oh, number okay. one. Uh, Arizona was number two.
2: But I felt like that was another big reason why they had such a successful season. Absolutely. You're right. Take it or leave it. I don't know if you saw this weekend, but Jordan Hicks signing with the Giants mm-hmm. for four years, $44 million. It's a great deal. But the most interesting aspect of the deal, Randy, is that according to Jeff Passan, he will be a starter. He'll be worked as a starter for the Giants. Take it or leave it. That has you a little bit worried that maybe the Giants have something with him or figured out something with him during this offseason?
4: Oh, yeah, I'm worried about that. I'll take that 100%. Uh, Bob Melvin is very creative. Farhan Zaidi, their president of baseball operations, is a creative guy. Now, Brian Price, they have a new pitching coach there. Uh, he's going to have to get the most out of Hicksy. But if you could get Hicksy to dial back and not have him try to throw every pitch 105 miles an hour, only throw 99, but mm-hmm. have command, he can do it. The the biggest problem with Hicks isn't the pitches, it's the pitch efficiency. You can't throw 100 th- pitches through three and two-thirds. That's, you're just never going to make it. So if they can get it so that he's keeping the, the ball in the strike zone with his stuff, he can be really good. And, yes, I'm worried about that. And, by the way, he will get a legit opportunity. They just traded for Robbie Ray, yes. and he's not going to be back until the... Uh, middle of the season and then they have another starter that's out for the first couple of months is it webb that's out Mm -hmm. i'm not sure but they've got they've got one other that's out for a while i think it's logan webb but uh i I can check for you here i i am really intrigued by hicks as a starter there because of what they do with starting pitchers i I would feel better about him becoming a, a good starter there or with la than here based on our the cardinals history to get him to be efficient
2: I was just really surprised to see that they were already kind of making Which I know that with the offseason program, he would have to start working and start training as a starter. But I was just really surprised that they were like, okay, we're going to let him work as a starter. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought, because the last time that we had seen him, it seemed like he was really set and really liked his role as a reliever.
4: Yeah, but he, he wasn't going to get that 44 over four as no. a relief pitcher. So money-wise, this worked out. Alex Cobb, by the way, is the other injured Giants starter who will be back. He had hip surgery and he'll be back. A couple months into the
5: season. Mm -hmm. All right, Matthew, what do you got on the text line? Take it or leave it. Steve Spagnuolo will get a head coaching job this year. I am going to leave that. And I like Spags a
4: lot. uh, But the thing is, he is in a a league where they want younger head coaches. Mm -hmm. I think he's 63 or 64 years old.
2: Yeah, I, I can't see that happening either. He does deserve a lot of credit, though, with the Chiefs defense and what they've been able to do this season. But I just don't see it happening
4: and here's another thing this is uh it was brought up on on like earlier we aren't even hearing mike rabel's name brought up in rumors
2: oh yeah um i did see maybe and i don't know if this is just people trying to attach him I, somebody brought him up also this weekend and impossibility for the cowboys i think that's people just spitballing of where mm-hmm. he could possibly land but i i'm telling you i thought for sure that the patriots were going to hire him it just made a lot of sense to me.
4: It did, but they already had their plan in place. Yeah, But M- Mike Vrabel's a really good coach, and somebody's going to miss out. By the way, Brian Flores is a really good coach. Somebody's going to miss out on him, too.
5: Mm-hmm. I honestly I thought the Vrabel the Dallas stuff made a lot of sense. What so, about Dan Quinn, though? If they Dan Quinn makes sense, too. Yeah, it, it, Dan Quinn's coached in a Super Bowl. He is. With a... MVP quarterback because he had Kyle Shanahan as, of, as the offense coordinator.
4: Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, that was 28-3. I mean, he, he also coached <laughs> in 28-3. <so.
5: laughs> I'm just, just, you know, throwing it out there. Uh, take it or leave it. After reading and hearing the comments from the weekend, Kyan Bloom is our next president and Flores is your next GM when they part ways after Bloom would be announced. I don't know what that last part was. Just go with the first part. I am going to leave that.
2: Yeah, I'm going to... Well, wait, let me read this comment Bloom again. is the next president. Flores oh. is the next GM. They Bloom is it. the next president. And Flores, no, I think I'm going to leave that as well.
4: I don't know what's going to happen over there. No, but because
2: Gersh is also where does he, he land he, in this he's conversation? In the mix, right. Because he is in the mix.
4: Right. And the Cardinals do love to promote from within. Uh, I don't know what the status of Heim Bloom is organizationally. I don't know if he's just a Mo guy right now or if Bill DeWitt told Mo to hire him. I don't know what sort of juice he has and what sort of plans they have but i can tell you this since the dewitt family took over everything has been promote from within right mm-hmm. all of their assistant general managers until they hired bloom have been promote from within all of their managers most of their coaches have been promote from within so that would be a big departure for the dewitt family to not promote from within although i guess they would be with bloom but to have somebody who hasn't been plying their trade with the Cardinals for a long time.
2: Well, that's why I like bringing in Bloom, because it is finally mm-hmm. somebody with a different perspective from outside of the organization. So I like that that hire is made. I do think, and that's something that we'll touch on with all the comments this weekend, because a lot of people are wondering, wait a minute, is Bloom going to kind of work his way into this situation and be the next GM? He has obviously had his fingerprints on some of these recent moves, especially with Andrew Kittredge. I think it's mm-hmm. pretty easy to put those puzzle pieces together, that trade with Tyler O'Neill and the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. But I, I just feel like Randy Flores, I know that he's not out there as much, but you know, Randy, uh, what he does and everything he does behind the scenes. I would make sure that he gets that promotion.
4: Yeah, Randy Flores is a brilliant guy, and I, I think it would be horrible for the Cardinals to lose him. Mm-hmm. Here's one thing about Bloom, though, when you w- want to think about him being the pobo when John Moselock retires, is that he, with all of those years in Tampa Bay, understands how you can win on a really tight budget. Mm -hmm. And the Cardinals don't have somebody with that background in their organization. So uh, he, from their perspective, I think probably is going to be a guy that they lean on because let's be honest, they don't want to spend uh, to, they they can't spend to the Dodgers or Yankees level. So they need to find a way to spend more efficiently. And he in Tampa has that history.
2: And his expertise is pitching development. So that's another aspect where we keep putting ourselves in this position of having to go and buy Pitchers, of course, you're still going to have to do that. But if you have some internal growth within your organization, you always want to have a homegrown arm available.
5: But uh, Amzinger's point from Greg Amzinger's point from Thursday, I think, when you bring in a guy who was the guy at a point, and then you start leaning on him for big decisions and big pieces of information, and then you have a John Mozaylock retire, I, I, it's kind of hard. I mean, when power when power leaves a vacuum, power fills the vacuum and i don't know if a guy like gersh or flores kind of have that that like you know that push that a guy like Kaim, who's been in that that position is going to have especially like you said if they lean on him that changes the perception doesn't it and the question that i would have
4: and i don't know if we'll know the answer to it who is leaning on him is it mo or is it mr dewitt Mm -hmm. that's a
5: good question is that it? Are we done? Oh, uh, one more. Take it or leave it. Gorman being untradable will be as bad as Carlson being untradable a few years back. Ooh, that's uh, Brooke. You
4: you had some info on uh, on Gormy yesterday, right?
2: Uh, yeah. With Gorman, I. But Randy, here's the thing. They're all gonna say that because Lars talked about it. Donovan talked Best about it. Best shape of his life. Best shape. Also, a lot of. But I do think if you want to look at something a little bit different. Gorman talked about how he also focused on his nutrition to help with his inflammation with his back. Mm-hmm. So that's always a positive. But all the players were talking a lot about how they have focused their off season training on making sure they can play a full season. So that's all, what you want to hear from Gorman. I thought the nutrition aspect was really important because there are some foods that can be pretty inflammable to your body. So the fact that he's even looking at that as an avenue.
4: People like lettuce are or, or, or allergic to lettuce or chicken i mean there's it's amazing how many
2: oh getting one of those food allergy tests yeah that's really important because you can reduce
4: inflammation no i haven't
2: (laughs) you're afraid of what's gonna come back (laughs) and you won't it wouldn't stop you anyways i don't um, think i have a friend
4: who's done it and it's worked wonders so really yeah uh so yeah i think and carrie was going to try it cd was going to try it
2: oh yeah yeah i know what you're talking about
4: yeah so i think uh it's it's a smart idea for a gourmet to uh, see if he can reduce inflammation through changing his diet. As long as he can still In eat research. training. Races. Oh, In Brooke, training. I gotta show you
2: something. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh no, he's reaching. If you can't see it on the YouTube, I don't like right when Randy disappears reaching. from frame. Oh, you, you don't.
5: That worries me. No. no, whenever you disappear from frame, <laughs> things are chicanery is happening. Something is afoot. Is it? Ch- <laughs> Literally. Something oh, no. is
2: afoot. <laughs> what, what are you <laughs> no. taking your shoe what off? He Dude, Why Reese's? is he taking his shoe off? He has Reese's off. socks. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Can you are see you I'm gonna serious? I'm going to take that one to the bank, I
5: believe. Let me double Here. check the camera. You, there you go. Can you see him? Uh, yes, you can.
4: Randy, okay. you're
2: surprisingly flexible. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you- <laughs> if you go to the youtube channel you can see also i'll say yeah. it right now great
4: legs oh, thanks brother <laughs> uh yeah so i needed you guys to see that i'm wearing my reese's socks today so that's uh so uh nolan gorman i know you're listening because you always do appreciate that but uh don't ever <laughs> stop with the reeses okay the reeses are i'm
2: looking at the video
4: right is, now. is the video good
2: yeah. it's, <laughs> is yes making a chuckle it's it's a uh, definitely a lot of your leg well, as long shot. as
4: you see in the recess, you're good. welcome, America. <laughs> coming up here on 101, oh. that was quite a ticket to leave it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> coming up, our biggest takeaways from this weekend's winter warm up here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN.
3: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. These top stories, it's the opening drive's fresh take.
8: it really didn't affect us that much. Um, you know, clearly we're cognizant of it. Um, if there's potential to lose significant dollars, I mean, you guys all work for companies when your companies start to lose money, what happens? You, you either downsize or, um, sometimes you see a reduction in staff or something like that, but like, it's, it's, for us we kind of went into this year knowing that that we have to rebound so we weren't going to look at at ways to necessarily try to penalize anything on the operational side and and so you know it hasn't had a real adverse effect on us but it could the down the road if we don't right this ship
4: that's cardinal president baseball operations john mozelock talking about the Bally Sports Midwest situation and whether or not that did impact the Cardinals during the offseason. And it's a salient question. But to the Cardinals point, number one, there weren't layoffs. They've still maintained on the business side the same level of employment that they've had here. And the Cardinals employ more than 400 people over at the ball, 400 full-time people over at the ballpark. And the other part of it is, Brooke, even though we might not be happy as individual fans with the Cardinals expenditures. They have moved into the top 10 in payroll. They did add a $25 million a year performer in Sonny Gray. They added, uh, is Kyle Gibson at 12 and Lynn at 11? I believe that's the the case. Uh, so they did add those players and they still got some arbitration well they've got one arbitration with Edmund but they added yeah. salary with the five people that they signed late last week and to avoid arbitration so my issue is has never been with the amount of money the Cardinals spend and with the questions about Bally, I understand if they want to be cautious my bother with the Cardinals over the course of the last six or seven years is the efficiency with which they spend, the quality, the Mm -hmm. return on investment that they're getting. I'm not nearly as bothered by how much they spend as I am by what they get out of what they spend.
2: And that also goes with your coaching staff as well. Mm -hmm. I do think that it was good on the Cardinals. One, we talked about bringing in Bloom, an outside perspective of the organization, and then also to some additions to the coaching staff, because I don't know if a lot of people realize the Cardinals coaching staff, even throughout the entirety of the organization, was pretty thin. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to add that in, one of my big takeaways from this weekend, there was many, but were some of the comments with Sonny Gray about one of the things that impressed him about the Cardinals outside of everything he knew is that he sat down and had a conversation with John Moselock, and Moselock supposedly had a lot of questions for him, seemed genu- genuinely interested. And Sonny Gray brought up, he went down the pitching department and the people were there, and he said, well, what about this? you have a guy for this and this? And he's like, no, tell me more about that. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that within weeks after that signing of Gray that they made some internal promotions mm-hmm. within the organization to have more of those pieces in place. I'm sure that that has something to do with what those conversations were with Gray. So I do think if you are looking for for, some of the pauses, which I know a lot of people don't want to hear, because you could also take that as a negative of, well, why didn't the Cardinals already have this stuff in place? What was it that Sonny Mm -hmm. Gray pointed out that the Cardinals didn't notice? But you could also look at it from the other perspective of, okay, they're listening to what is needed and maybe what is needed for this organization that they didn't already have, or maybe some other pieces to add. And that's good that they aren't just saying, no, we're not doing that. We don't do that. That's not the Cardinals' way. They're at least being more open to that.
4: And they have obviously last year the bench coach was Joe McEwing and he was with the White Sox for a long time even in some of their successful years but that's another thing that Bloom brings to the table and if you're willing to listen to a pitcher like Sonny Gray who played for an organization that has won lately and does things differently than the Cardinals but they've had a level of success I don't think it's ever a bad thing to listen to an outside voice and John Mozeliak has had to be reflective because the Cardinals did have a 91 loss season that they hadn't had before and uh, he talked over the weekend about what he learned from that reflection.
8: There's probably a little bit of arrogance when you do something as long as I've done it and and approaching it in that way is not helpful. Like you have to have a little sense of humility on on what can happen and and realizing that it's hard to keep everyone happy, but you know, still trying to be true to how we make decisions and why we make decisions. Now, how, have we decided to tinker a little bit on how we make decisions? Yes, because clearly how we what we did last year didn't work, and, um, you know, that's part of it. But on a personal level, it's, it's you know, understanding that mistakes do happen.
4: That had to be exceptionally difficult. When you have that many, and I don't know if the, the demeanor is going to change, but when you have one, Doing it your way, mm-hmm. as long as he did, I I can totally see it. I can see it from my perspective in a radio. You know, I, I've had a reasonably successful radio career. I get how you can become arrogant, but you have to be willing to listen, and you have to be willing to evolve and. I believe it probably took a 91-loss season for Mo to do that and to go out and be willing to hire a guy like Heim Bloom and listen to him, to be willing to listen to a player like Sonny Gray take advice from somebody from the outside. And if it took a 91-loss season to do it, so be it. But hopefully the Cardinals will be able to turn things around.
2: Yeah, that's and that's the thing is – I, I totally understand, and I understand the frustration. The 91-loss season is inexcusable, and you want to see dramatic changes after that. I think that that was a comment that was great by, by Moselock. Would I have liked to hear that a little bit sooner in the postseason press conference that we didn't have? Of course I would have. But you can't go back and change the past at this mm-hmm. point, right? You can't go back and change Probably the past. Never,
4: not even at this point,
2: never. No, no. <laughs> but you can make changes towards the future. Of course, the proof is going to be in the pudding this season of if some of those changes have been implemented and if they work out. But at the same time, for I think him to acknowledge that arrogance is a step in the right direction. And going back to the Sonny Gray comments about that, I think that that's a good sign of that he's listening. Bring in Bloom shows that he's listening and the Cardinals organization is listening that we have to make some changes here so that we don't have another 91 loss season. We have to hold ourselves a little bit more accountable. And so some of those promotions that I was talking about where Sonny Gray said, you know, do you have this guy and this guy? and it's easy to put those puzzle pieces together of the promotions that they had internally. You have Dean Kikeffer, I believe mm-hmm. is how you say his yep. last name, used to be a pitcher for the Cardinals, mm-hmm. and he joins the staff as an assistant pitching coach, so he will be working alongside yeah. Dusty. I didn't know yeah. if you wanted to say Dusty Springfield, oh, Dusty or, Springfield or not. Oh, Dusty Springfield, yeah. There you go. Blake Ahern. And then you have Daniel... Blake Lively. <laughs> Daniel D.C. McLee. Mm-hmm. And he will be added as the Major League Coordinator of Technology and Systems. Which so, you need these days. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. You
4: need an IT guy.
2: Yeah, you do. You always need an <laughs> IT guy. Especially if the iPad quits working. Oh, that,
4: then they got really no, big. No, he's or doing, more, threw, than you know, he's doing if, more than that. He's doing more than that. What if you have a Brady-type personality that throws the iPad? Then you got... <laughs> yeah' have <laughs> have a
2: bunch of iPads. Okay. But I think that that's important because I'm sure Gray pointed out maybe some things that he's seen with other organizations that they had available for the pitchers, mm-hmm. tools, resources. And the fact that the Cardinals went out and made sure to promote, I think that helps because you also see, too, with the comments about Ali Ramal, we know that he's going into this final year of his contract. The comments with Ali Marmol, I think that Mozelak handled that well, too, of putting in perspective of they still have to wait and see how things go this year. But I think that you also see that they supplemented the staff by bringing in Descalso to kind of help Ali Marmol this season. And I think that those are moves at least in the right direction, which I don't know, Randy, if that's what everybody wants to hear right now. But do you give them credit? for some of the moves that they've made, not just with the pitching staff, but also the other moves within the coaching staff in the organization. Yes,
4: moves that I believe needed to be made. Somebody that had pitched at the major league level, and Keith hasn't pitched a ton, but at least the young pitchers can say, okay, he, he made it to the major league, it's, and he has s- some ideas. I do give uh, bringing in a guy like Descalso, because you need people that can relate to young people now, and this is a really young group of players that they're bringing up. That is going to be as important as what you do strategically is getting young players to perform over the course of six months. And different people having different ideas as to how to do it is a good thing. You can't be calling down to the bullpen asking for a pitcher to get up and saying, no, it's not a safe situation. I'm not getting up. You just can't have that. So you need to be able to reach out and relate to players. And the more people you have that can, uh, the better. We'll talk more about this uh, and some of Mo's comments coming up at 8.45. Oh, by the way, I'm trying to figure out what proof in the pudding means. I, that saying? I love the term, but I just don't know what it means. So I'm looking it up on the Google machine. What does it
2: say on the Google machine?
4: It says it's actually the uh, the term is uh, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. So it's how <laughs> how good is it? Well, you have to eat it to find out, apparently. That's,
2: oh, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
4: so they've just shortened it up. Can Oops. you
2: also look up the saying, uh, what is it with? Skin a cat or something like that. What oh, does that uh, say? Yeah,
4: there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah, yeah, where does
2: that saying come from? Uh, well, that is, I don't times. like that.
4: Yeah, uh, let's see. Oh, catfish. Okay. Oh. Uh-huh. I like it, it is. It has moved well outside its original use, and to skin a cat is used to describe a <laughs> gymnastic move by children on the playground. I don't know about that. Wait, what? what? Yeah, grammarist. More. Uh, here it is. Yeah, it's just a simplification of catfish there is more than one oh. way to skin a cat i
2: always i always wondered when i would hear that saying like where what what happened where that came from
4: yeah really you don't want to that's kind of gross that's a that's a gateway to murder
2: It is. serial killing yeah big time it big
4: is. time uh, we're going to talk to uh, chris kerber the voice of your st louis blues here on 101 ESPN next on the opening drive
3: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Bring out the Zamboni! It's time for Curbside
1: with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi electric elite contractor.
4: and Flyers tonight, 7 o'clock over at Enterprise Center, 6 o'clock pregame and Joe Vitale and Chris Kerber will have the call for you at 7 o'clock. Chris Kerber with us now and before we get to the Blues and the Bruins on Saturday and the Blues and the Flyers tonight, Kerbs, how sad are you that both the Cowboys and the Rams lost yesterday?
7: Uh, not sad at all. Pretty <laughs> happy. Like Good to Monday hear. morning for a lot of people. Yep, it, it, uh, know, it I mean, it's It's been a great week. Bill Belichick is gone. The Cowboys <laughs> lose. The Rams lose. I mean, I got to be honest with you. Like, this is this is fantastic. It's about like, as I good as it can be, point. isn't it? Yeah. So, like, you you know, I'm a Giants fan. Of course, I still follow the football Cardinals. I, I still absolutely love that logo from from the time I was a kid. Um, but uh, but I'll tell you, my father-in-law is a diehard Red Sox fan. So we got it a, and, a, and a Boston fan. So we get a text message. Uh, my wife and I on this group text with my father-in-law. Couple days ago, we're about to play Boston. It says Blues play the Bruins tonight. Good luck. And both Christy and I are just start railing on him. Yeah, you don't mean that. Like when I took him to to game one of the Stanley Cup final and said you're not wearing Blues gear, he still wore a Bruins shirt underneath his other shirt, right? (laughs) And so, so we're like, we're giving it to him. Goes what? I can I can root for both teams. We're like, no, you can't. Like this is not how this works. Like I'd have so much more respect for you if you sent me a text that said blank the Blues today, because I would at least know that he's being true. Okay, so we're, <laughs> we're going back and forth on this, because now he's also, and you guys can understand this, that he's the kind of, and, and this is the thing about Boston sports fans that I've seen more than any others, all right? He, he's the kind of fan that I think would still rather see the Yankees lose more than he would rather see the, the Red Sox win. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right? So, okay, so this is where I've gotten with the NFL. Because they don't really have an, an, an affiliation with a team, and I am, you know, I said fans of the, the Giants and a little bit of the Cardinals, right? Uh, I think I would still rather see teams like the Cowboys, the Patriots, and the Rams lose far more than I'd rather see any team win.
1: I'm
4: with you. I, I That's my emotional investment. I I, have, I feel the exact same way.
7: Yep. So good. Yeah. I mean, it's... It, it, It's just more fun just watching their fan bases just melt down. Tremendous.
2: Curbs, you should have seen Randy this morning. He was giddy with joy. I mean, he was bouncing off the walls.
7: You've been there, Curbs. You know. Listen, this Oh, listen, I'm I'm right there with you. I should have texted you, you know, and said, good morning, Randy. What a great day it is. I mean, look at this. I just just did that live read for Classic Air Care, and I, I mentioned on it that I feel like I'm in Winnipeg, and I do. But the difference is, like, the sun is out. Right? And yeah. it's the sun has got to be out because of what happened in the NFL yesterday.
2: There you go. Well, of course, we have to talk to you, too, about the Blues falling to the Bruins 4-3 to in overtime this past week. And some controversy on how the game ended, Curbs. So what are your thoughts on the non-call, I would say, obvious tripping of Robert Thomas in overtime?
7: I think it was an egregious call, non-call. I think it was absolutely horrific that they missed it. Uh, and I've, I've been chewing on this for the last you know, 36 hours or so. And I I go to this, like Drew Bannister said the right things, what he had to say, the players did as well, you know, and and there were other aspects of the game. Yeah. I mean, you fell behind, you know, you're making mistakes and you fell behind and, you know, leagues and players are, well, you know, refs are going to make mistakes. You know what their job is to get it right. Their job, like, and there's, and from one night to the next, there's just so a lot of inconsistency on, what is called and how it's called and the timing of when it's called to make the interference call on Oscar Sundquist, which if you go back and listen to the broadcast, we said on the air, yep, he tripped them. We don't know why he tripped (laughs) them. Right. That, that, that play doesn't make any sense at all for, for Oscar. Okay. And Oscar said that in the post game show, although Oscar did disagree with the call a little bit. We said on the air, well, you tripped them, you know, and, and you can't do that. But to make that call, which was away from the puck, right and and then not make the tripping call in three on three overtime, which is right on the puck, makes absolutely no sense. and you know I, i'm I'm a firm believer that officiating actually does impact the game. Uh, how a referee calls a game uh, dictates how aggressive players can be. you know things everything along those kind of lines. you miss a critical call, it can cost a, a team a game. you know you 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 screw up a. You screw up a pass interference call in the NFL. Look at how recently we've seen crews say, "Well, they're not getting the playoffs. They're not. They're not officiating in the playoffs because they, you know, they screwed up games. They impact the game. This idea that a bad call or a non-call doesn't impact the game, especially with as much as online every single game now in, in the NHL, I think is, is insane. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it was an awful missed call. I'd like to know what happens the next time those two referees, like do they do they text a Robert Thomas? Do they call him? Do they see him and say, I, I screwed that up? Some do, some don't. But bottom line is their job is to get it right, and I think there needs to be another level, another standard of expectation and excellence coming from that side of things uh, with the National Hockey League, and they work hard on it. They're, you know, one of the things you're trying to do, guys, is they're, they're actually trying to bring in former players. They're going to players that are are not likely to make the National Hockey League but have experience playing and stuff. And so what we're seeing is some referees coming up that that have had minor league careers, you know, college careers. And I like that aspect of things. But one of the issues and the struggles that they're having is because they've had enough veteran referees retire or have to retire, I think some guys are coming into the league with far less experience than they need when they get here. And that is really, that's coming into play when you're playing in a league now where the parody is what it is and everything is so tight and you feel like the playoffs are on the line from game number one. Mm-hmm. And those two things are clashing a little bit. So I don't know. That's kind of the, that's the thoughtful way of it and the emotional way of it. But I thought it was a brutal non-call.
4: All right, curbs. Let's uh, look bigger picture here from uh, 5,000 feet. If somebody tells me before the blues play, the Panthers, Rangers, and Bruins, that the Blues have 50% of the available points going into those games, I'm really happy about it. Now, would I have liked to have beaten Boston in overtime? Yes, but that that's just one point. How do you feel about having three out of the six available points heading into tonight?
7: I think uh, I think this has so far been a pretty doggone good run. And yes, you you like to get every point you can, but I'm, I'm with you, Randy. I think you have to look at where you are as a team honestly, and the other teams that you're playing. And I think the Blues, frankly, going back to that first game against Dallas after Christmas, have done a pretty doggone good job against a lot of these top teams. The reason you feel the heat is because you didn't get enough wins against the other teams prior to that. And that when you're going into this kind of a gauntlet, if you had done the job against the other teams you should have done before that, you're probably going, hey, this is good. We survived it. And there's a big difference when you go, we survived this run versus – we need more out of this run. And the Blues, unfortunately, are in a position where they say, we need more out of this run. Um, I, talking to some of the guys, I, I believe there's a really strong belief system in this room. Uh, I think they feel that things are going in the right direction. And, and I have no doubt in my mind that somebody like Jordan Bennington is fueling that with his play. And I know that there's a strong belief that this team and these players think that they can claw their way into the playoff into a playoff spot. And and I get that sense again, which is good. So, I'm, I'm I think you got to be pretty satisfied with with the way this is gone. Now, what is insane, Randy, is you've played what three games over five hundred under Drew Bannister since he took over, and you've lost ground. Yeah, right. And you're losing ground because the Edmonton Oilers have won ten in a row. The Seattle Kraken have won nine in a row. Teams are playing at five six games over five hundred, while you're playing at three games over five hundred. If you look at a pacing thing, but. That's why we say, like, October and November are just so doggone critical months to setting up your season. And the Blues were in a pretty good spot at at Thanksgiving. They were in a playoff spot, you know, but some other teams have gone on some runs, and now the Blues have to find a way to go on a run themselves to keep pace.
4: Well, hopefully that'll continue tonight. The Flyers in town, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff with Curbs and Joey here on 101 ESPN. Chris, thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon.
7: Happy Monday, Randy
4: and Brooke. Very happy indeed. (laughs) We'll see you later, brother. That is the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN, the one, the only, Chris Kerber. Coming up next, we've got the fight. Do you need a fighter, Matthew? Okay, so I I thought I lost the other day. I guess not. No. Why would
2: you ever think that, Randy?
4: I just didn't remember. I just, you know. It's just too many, These all blend together. (laughs)
2: <laughs> just nameless faces. Did <laughs> just, you just go through so many people? You never know, Randy.
4: You never know. So uh, if you text into the text line 314 399 Yo with your name and the word fight. Perhaps Matthew will pick you to fight me next on The Opening Drive. You're back
1: to The Opening
3: Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: Welcome back to The Opening Drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker and Matthew Rocchio. And it is time for the fight. Our fighter today is going to be Richard. Richard, how are you doing today? Doing great. Time to stay warm. Trying to stay warm. (laughs) I think everybody is at this moment. Are you excited to take on Randy? Is this your first time?
7: First time, yep.
2: All right, let's see how this goes. You ready to start with question number one? Go for it. Last night, Puka Nakua set another rookie receiving record, this time for yards in a playoff game. Which fellow NFC West wideout did he top? Was it DK Metcalf, Torrey Holt, or Anquan Bolden?
5: Let's go with
3: Anquan
5: Bolden. All right. Last time the Detroit Lions won a playoff game was in 1991 when they beat which team? Was it the Dallas Cowboys, the L.A. Rams, or the Washington Redskins?
7: Washington
2: Redskins. The 90s in basketball were very different. On this day in 1997, this future Bulls and NBA Hall of Famer kicked a cameraman during a game. Who was it? Was it Dennis Rodman, Tony Kukoc, or Michael Jordan?
7: Tony Kukoc.
5: All right, and last year, the top two players in rushing yards were Bama alumni. The previous time that happened was in 1990, when this Big 12 school boasted the top two rushers in the NFL. Was that Oklahoma State, Texas, or Texas A&M? Oklahoma State. All right, we'll double check our score and bring in Randy Carricker.
2: All right, how are you feeling, Richard?
5: Not so
3: good.
2: Not so good. Outside of the coat, a cold, right? Because you were talking about how you were feeling cold too. But you don't. You're not feeling too great about the fight.
3: No, no. But I needed some hockey in there.
2: Oh yeah, you see, Rock, he needed some hockey. Oh, I'm sorry. That's it. Oh, <laughs> that'll do it. So Randy got a hint.
5: That not that (laughs) non call on the penalty really on the trip really just put me out of a hockey mood over the weekend.
2: All right. Randy's back in here. Oh.
4: Yes. Uh, as we start, I was just wondering about this because it is a lot of people have today off, Martin Luther King Day. Mm-hmm. Like, do you take a shower on Martin Luther King Day? Do you like if, if you have off, like we we don't have off, but like the most I, I notice nobody's in our office. Like, if you're at home, just laying in bed, do you even bother?
2: Do you even bother showering?
4: Okay, uh, you, is with that your what the reaction, is? here's what I have to say. Okay, take a shower. Okay, get up and take a shower. <laughs> uh, th- that reaction just told me all I needed to hear.
2: Yeah, I think I don't know. I feel like I shower like once or twice a day, especially if I work out? Are How you saying you, that you, you
5: don't? Uh, I have very bad um, dry skin and eczema. So I actually have a very, like, every other day regimen um, when I shower because I have to, because else my skin gets super dried out and my hair my scalp gets really bad too. You need a
2: humidifier.
5: Oh no, I have one of those. Trust me, it's, I I, I have I have a disease. My skin has a disease.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, okay.
4: Don't be defined by your moderate to severe Eczema. Plaque eczema.
6: Plaque's <laughs> Actually, that's plaque, right.
5: you know, yeah. that's yes. I try not to be It's defined. One of the two, I never remember. My dermatologist <laughs> yells at me and then I walk out. All
2: right. Well, say hi to Richard, who just listened to uh, that
5: conversation. Richard, good morning. <laughs> Great to have you with us. And uh, thank you
4: very much for checking in to be on the fight. We appreciate it.
5: Good morning, Randy.
2: All right. Good luck. You ready, Randy? Thank you. I'm ready. <laughs> Question number one. Puka Nakua set another rookie receiving record this time for yards in a playoff game. Which fellow NFC West wideout did he top?
4: I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this was recent. I think it was a big game for DK Metcalf of the Seattle Seahawks.
5: <laughs> really hitting the, hitting every syllable, every letter in the name, huh? Yeah. Uh, last time the Detroit Lions won a playoff game was in 1991. Randy, mm-hmm. who did they beat? How about them Cowboys?
4: Uh, it was uh, Troy Aikman. Uh, that was his first playoff game. And Detroit beat the Cowboys down at the old Silverdome. How about
2: them Cowboys?
4: There we go. At the Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan. They beat the Cowboys.
2: <laughs> Final answer?
4: Final answer. So uh, when I was, here's the one thing about being <laughs> old, guys. I remember being at my grandmother's house in 1970. So I'm, I turned eight in 1970 so I would have been seven. Oh no I turned I'm older than that <laughs> I, I, math, is not, math is not helping math me is, we're, like,
2: we are not a math seven, show 90, <laughs> 90, no, like, 10, 60, 10,
4: no that would have been right I, I would have been my math would have been right so anyway I think I was seven the Cowboys played the Lions in a playoff game in Detroit the Cowboys won five to nothing they had a field goal in the first half and I think a, a safety in the fourth quarter. And they, the final score of a playoff game in the NFL was 5 to nothing. Mm. Yeah, Dallas beat them, obviously.
2: Yikes. All right. Final answer. Yeah, that was only oh, their oh. second
4: playoff win since <laughs> 1957. Final answer, yeah. Last night was. So good for the Lions.
2: Question number three. Okay. The 90s in basketball was very different. On this day in 1997, this future Bulls and NBA Hall of Famer kicked a cameraman during a game. Who was it?
4: It would have been Dennis Rodman, who would not get booed, but the guy's widow does. I,
6: uh, we <laughs> I hate, were talking about that Chicago during the break. so much. That was awful. Uh, scumbags. Kind of, yeah, not great.
5: Uh, last year, Brandy, the top two players in rushing yards were Bama alumni. That was uh, Derek Henry and Josh Jacobs. The previous time that happened was in 1990, when this Big 12 school boasted the top two rushers in the NFL.
4: 1990, I am going to guess that you had Barry Sanders and Thermal, Thurman Thomas. I'm going to guess that it was the Oklahoma State Cowboys.
5: So so how about them Cowboys? Uh, Not those Cowboys. okay. (laughs) All right, fair enough. (laughs) Uh, Another fight today. This time it's extremely cold. Did Randy (laughs) need to thaw out, and did he in time to take down another fight win, 21 in a row? Or does Richard in his first fight opportunity Also a very cold day for him. Does he come up with a big win to help heat him up? Ring
1: that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker.
6: Just like, win, baby. Uh,
2: why? Why all those air <laughs> was it wasn't sounding at first. That's why. That's <laughs> oh. why he, that's <laughs> why he <laughs> stacked <founding> the <laughs> he stacked them all up.
5: Uh, I'm sorry, Richard. Randy Carricker, He hit the jack today, and he beat you four to one. Not surprised. Congratulations. (laughs) there it is, Richard. Richard, If if, if it would have been hockey, he would have got you, Randy. Last night, Puka Nakua set another rookie receiving record, this time for yards in a playoff game. He had over 180. It was DK Metcalf, who had 160 back in his rookie year in the 2019 playoffs that uh, previously held the record. I believe he broke a Randy Moss record. Last time the Detroit Lions won a playoff game, it was, in fact, over the Dallas Cowboys. They would go on then to lose to the Washington Redskins in the next round of the playoffs. (laughs) 90s basketball, very different. And, of course, who else would it be than Dennis Rodman, who kicked a cameraman during a game between the legs and then settled for him for only 200 grand outside of court. You thought it was bad when Draymond was kicking players yeah, players really. during games. He was kicking cameramen during games. Good Lord, the 90s were different. And last year, the top two players in rushing yards, Bama alumni in Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs. It was, in fact, in 1990. Not only was it Oklahoma State, but Randy Carrick called it. Barry Sanders led the league in rushing. Number two on the list was Thurman Thomas, just a year or two ahead of him for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. A 4-1 win for Randy Carrick in the fight today. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for entertaining me.
4: Thank, Thank you, Richard. You. I believe, this is my opinion, the two best single-season teams in all around in the history of the league did not include the 85 Bears. I think the two best single-season teams in the history of the NFL are the 1991 Washington Redskins and the 1999 St. Louis Rams. Mm, yes.
2: So, and by the way,
4: one-two in terms the, the the teams that have the highest point differential— in the history of the league, the two Super Bowl champs with the highest point differential are those two: the mm-hmm. the Redskins and, and the Rams. The overall highest point differential ever was the 2007 Patriots, but we know what happened to them. Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> As I was gonna say this <laughs> right now, I, so from 1990 to 2022, I cannot believe Oklahoma or like Miami didn't have two running backs, go one that's two in the NFL. Pretty
4: it's shocking. Pretty honestly. amazing when you think about it. No doubt about it. Uh, that's Matthew. That's Brooke. And I'm Randy. Thanks for joining us for the fight. Coming up, more on the Cardinals and the reaction uh, from them at the winter warm-up. Uh, we've got some uh, interesting reaction this weekend. Good emotions from the Cardinals here, and uh, we'll hear them here on 101 ESPN.
3: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
8: I would imagine that's going to stay pretty true. I mean, I don't want to sit up here today on January 13th and retire. But I think having a, a succession plan and uncoupling some of the things that I've been involved in at, at such a high level, I think I'm starting my 17th season in the seat. So it's, it's, it's probably, you know, reasonably to, to think that having a different voice at some point would, would make a lot of sense. And, and so as I think about where the organization is and, and, and where we need to go, you know, Bill and I have had a lot of discussions on what we... We want to see that look like. And, and so, you know, a lot of people are sort of jumping to conclusions with the Heim hire, but I would say that at the very least, it strengthens our bench at the very least. And where it leads to, we will see. But
4: uh, that is the Cardinals' Pobo, John Moselak, over the course of the weekend. And uh, Brooke it's interesting that the – and the Blues, by the way, did this when Doug Armstrong was promoted to be their general manager upon the retirement of Larry Plo. I would have to think that the Cardinals will put a succession plan in place, that there will be uh, Pobo in waiting if, indeed, Jamo Zilak sticks to this time frame of retiring after the 2025 season.
2: There will be. And I think him acknowledging that, that's been the plan. That's been the formula, right? Now, who will it be is the question, because you do have Michael Gersh. We saw him a little bit at the beginning of last Mm -hmm. season, and then we didn't see him as much towards the end there. But I always thought that that was the plan was for Michael Gersh to step into that role. But Randy Flores is somebody that I think is a huge asset for the organization and somebody I wouldn't want to leave. If the Cardinals don't give him that role, then would he leave the organization, Mm -hmm. you think? Because other organizations want Randy Flores.
4: Absolutely. And he would be doing a different thing. Obviously, as the Pobo, but he has great, he and his staff have great talent evaluation ability. Last night, I talked to the Cardinals minor league pitcher of the year. His name is uh, Max Ragic, and their young uh, gold glove winning outfielder, uh, Victor Scott II, who expects to be up here this year. Those guys in the 2022 draft were the Cardinals fifth and sixth round draft choices. Mm-hmm. They were drafted by the Cardinals during the All-Star break in 2022. In 2023, they're the, the pitcher of the year in the organization and a Gold Glove winner that expects to be here in 2024. And time and again, we're seeing Cardinal players come up that have been drafted by the Randy Flores staff. I'm going to give everybody credit here. Randy obviously is in charge of that. But I would think that t- the talent evaluation ability, the ability to evaluate young players would be really appealing to the Cardinals. Wouldn't you think that in this day and age in baseball, when the Cardinals aren't going to be signing people to 700 or $500 million contracts, mm-hmm. they'd want to have as many good young i.e. inexpensive players as possible?
2: Yes, and that's what you're looking for. I think that's a big reason why Bloom was brought in, because the fact that he was basically able to make the Rays way handbook, but his expertise was in developing pitching. We Mm -hmm. know that the Rays have a great job. They do a great job of doing that, of developing young pitching. And if you're going to spend a certain amount of course, we would love for the Cardinals being... Unrealistic to spend mm-hmm. like the Dodgers are spending this off season, but nobody else is spending like how the Dodgers are. No. And the Cardinals actually have made quite a bit more moves than other teams have. Mm-hmm. I think because of the R S N deal and how that's panning out and all the questions surrounding it. Look at the Rangers.
4: Right. Yeah. They should have signed to Jordan Montgomery by now, right? Yeah. Or at least they aren't going to have. They should have signed a pitcher because they aren't going to have Scherzer and they aren't going to have Degrom. So you'll wind up with a group minus Jordan Montgomery. You'll have Valdi, who is not a big innings eater, and then you'll have people like Dane Dunning, and you'll have kind of the same staff that you had last year. Back to the Cardinals. I think that we have a tendency here to underestimate how big of a loss they suffered when Brendan Donovan got hurt.
2: Yes, I think Brendan Donovan is somebody that you could point to just even looking numbers-wise. In the second half of the season, when he got injured and he was out, the numbers really dropped off offensively for the Cardinals. But he's also a key voice and leader in that room. And one of my big takeaways from this weekend is, Brendan Donovan, he didn't go, and I want to make this very clear, he didn't go out in front of all the media members and say, yes, I'm a leader, I'm the leader of this group, I'm leading the charge of they have this group text that's going on. It was more of the other players talking about Brendan Donovan. Jordan Walker talked about how Brendan Donovan was basically like another hitting coach for him, about how blunt he is. All the players really talked about. Lars Newbar talked about Brendan Donovan and his leadership capabilities, and he's the type of player where he walks the walk and talks the talk, and that's something that I think a lot of people gravitate to, and that's something that you need. They brought in a lot of this veteran presence, and so I thought it was really interesting, too, what Donovan said about just the mindset that the team and he has as a leader for the team going to this season.
0: Yeah. You got a very motivated, hungry team to win. Um, We've got some great acquisitions this off season. We have some very good key pieces and you will see different product out there this year.
4: That's cool to hear. And and especially from a young guy, but a guy that has and commands respect, doesn't demand commands respect within that clubhouse because of the way he performs. He, He gives his all and We mentioned the last time the Cardinals had him last year was July 29th but he had gotten his on-base up to three sixty-five. His OPS was at seven eighty seven. and he had been better. He had a rough start to the season like everybody yeah. else did, but he had really come along. And when you look at the Cardinals falling off at the end of the season in terms of scoring runs, not having him for the last two months played a big role.
2: Well, and also having that leadership presence, I think, is something that was very apparent that the Cardinals were lacking because also this weekend, Mosellock and the other players talked about not having Yachty around. Obviously, he's coming back into the picture, which is another huge asset for the Cardinals. But then also with these acquisitions they made pitching wise, they're bringing a lot of that veteran presence into the clubhouse that you could tell was lacking last season of just a clear voice that could lead that group. I think Donovan on top of those veteran players is somebody who is a voice of reason and somebody who will really push these guys because they said it themselves.
4: Yeah. And spring training starts in a month, so they can have a chance to. I'm so excited. I'm I'm ready for it. So uh, that's your Redbirds. Coming up, it is a gleeful day, a gleeful day for football fans in St. Louis. We've got the Rush Hour Reset coming up next on 101 ESPN.
3: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset.
6: <laughs> that is
4: so good. Oh, people are so good. That's from the uh, Philly Talk podcast on Twitter. <laughs> so just go to Twitter and you Beautiful can listen pipes. to the whole song. That was really It's good. fantastic. It's it's a great song. Oh, by the way, the Cowboys lost to Well, let's oh, give the Packers boy. some credit. Okay, the Packers rolled the Cowboys yesterday. It was 48 to 16 at one point. The final was 48 to 32. 27 nothing at one point as well, and uh, Dak Prescott Helping the Packers out a little bit.
1: Catch on four targets. Second and two here, though. Here's Prescott. The middle should going to be picked
6: off. And no one in front of him. Darnell Savage.
4: Touchdown. Uh, <laughs> oh, Kevin Burkhardt, the call. on Gee,
2: you're so excited That's right awesome. now. It, it is so, so great. Excited. I'm such a Packers fan. Brooke, they were so. They- <laughs> They
5: were at home. They're on their record
4: yeah. so good so, at home. He's, he's, it's finally yeah.
5: our year.
6: <laughs>
0: one of the things, uh,
4: you, we, you were talking last week about parabolic microphones, right? And yes. Pick up every, one of the things we hear is we hear Dax Wounds. say, here we go. And then he doesn't say, we, we don't get to hear the part, it,
1: to Cancun. <laughs> oh!
6: <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Randy! That's so bad.
5: Randy, think of all that concessions money that Jerry was gonna make with all those home playoff games. Uh, oh,
4: yeah. Not
6: only, oh, for, he'll never
2: know. Not only. May, maybe one day AI Jerry Jones can experience that, but yeah. I don't know if in, if his in his lifetime. Yeah, do you yeah. think that he realizes? Is there? Do you think that he has any inkling? That maybe the common denominator of what we've seen with the Cowboys might have something to do with Jerry Jones and his control issues, which I know that he's not—he's not Dak out there. He's not the one that's mm -hmm. executing out there. But I think that that's always been the big story. Because now you wonder: Is Mike McCarthy going to make it? Are they going to make some changes there? And when will it be enough? And when will will he recognize? Well, see,
4: there's the thing, Brooke. He enables people. He kept. Jason Garrett around for 10 years. And Jason Garrett was okay. Not great. Okay. Got him to the playoffs. Had some 8-8 and seasons. And Jerry then says, yeah, he'll be back next year. Mike McCarthy. You know, Mike McCarthy, good coach. Not great coach. Head coach. Doesn't have a great staff aside from Dan Quinn. They switch out Kellen Moore. We know Brian Schottenheimer. We had him here. So is there a demand and an impatience for excellence with the Cowboys? I don't think so. I think there's a demand for pretty good but I don't think there's a demand for excellence and that's why Dak Prescott's throwing interceptions that lead to 14 points as you fall behind 27 nil to the Packers at home <laughs> after you'd won 16 in a row regular season games I think home.
2: Jerry Jones expects excellence though and gets frustrated when uh, it doesn't work out in the manner that he thinks it should
4: I think he expects it but he has no idea to how to get it I think that's the problem mm-hmm. the Rooney family as Coach Tomlin says, the standard is the standard. Seems like the standard in Dallas is, okay, we'll we'll win 12 games, go to the playoffs. But once we get to the playoffs, we really don't have any clue. Now, one team that clearly has had a clue over the last few years is the L.A. Rams. They won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Then they go 5-12 and 12 last year, and this year they bounce back and... It was amazing to look on Fox and on ESPN and on NFL Network. Everybody was picking the Rams to go into Detroit and win. And I have to believe that Dan Campbell probably made his players aware of that. Mm -hmm. And so what happens? Jared Goff, the former Ram quarterback, goes off a little bit, has a really good game. And our guy, Sam Laporta, is a key as he scores a touchdown. Goff, 22 of 27, 277, a touchdown, no picks. And... The Lions eke out a 24 23 win over the LA Rams. Let's go. Lions. I, Lions,
2: I like the Lions a lot. One, because you mentioned the St. Louis connections, but I think a lot of people were rooting for the Lions last night because of the Rams mm-hmm. and that whole situation, yep. as we know here. I we, might be one of those. I, yeah, I think you were yeah. one of those, Randy. But then also the St. Louis connections. But I just like the Lions in general. The fact that they're, this is the first time they were able to accomplish this in over 30 years, I think, says a lot about what Dan Campbell has been able to do with this team, Mm -hmm. with this organization, the way he's able to turn things around. I also love, I know that you were at the writers' dinner, and so you didn't hear this, but they had a little tidbit during the broadcast where they said apparently his wife has revealed that he's a perfectionist about everything, even when it comes to making brownies. And so that was... Who's Dan Campbell's wife. Oh, he
4: so he's a perfectionist he's about a perfection, making brownies. Okay. Even about
2: brownies. Like that's how uh, big of a perfectionist that he is. I like him is. more ever than ever. I just you can see why players really elevate around mm-hmm. him because he brings out the most and then the storyline between the whole quarterback situation with Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. I just like that Jared Goff was able to come out. This has been a great season for mm-hmm. him and then all the young talent around him too. Right. The fact that they've been able to do this It shows that they'll have success this season, which they have had. They've accomplished that, but they're going to be able to continue to build off of it.
4: And I wonder if what they did in the game that was stolen from the Lions, if that was something that Matt LaFleur took away and said, okay, here's how we can beat Dallas. Because Dallas had been averaging 40 points a game at home. And then all of a sudden they're held to 20 or whatever it was, 21 by Detroit. And the Packers come in and do a lot of the same things that the Lions Mm -hmm. did to win the game. I wonder if maybe Dan Campbell outcoached McCarthy and then McCarthy didn't change anything and LaFleur did the same and their staff uh, did the same thing. Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator.
2: You've been able to see that this season. Dan Campbell is very creative to the point where he even confused some refs. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) he
4: yeah. And uh, there's action this afternoon. 3.30 St. Louis time on Channel 4. You've got the Bills and the Steelers and you were looking at uh, the Highmark Stadium in Buffalo and they still have some snow issues there,
2: Brooke? They do. I just saw a tweet where they are still shoveling snow this morning. Uh, maybe a retractable retractable roof wouldn't be a bad idea yeah. for the Bills Not because, I mean, they get a lot of snow. So apparently they're still shoveling away mm-hmm. trying to get the snow out.
4: And then no concerns tonight in Tampa where the Eagles will play the Bucks. And I don't know why people are still picking Philadelphia. I've kind of given up on the Eagles. Well, Although, uh, is Baker Mayfield playing? I think he was questionable. He's still, he's still questionable. A.J. Brown is out.
2: Yeah, he is questionable. What are you laughing about? What this? world am
5: I living in that you that we're double checking if, if? Oh yeah, well, as long as the Bucks have Baker Mayfield, um, they have a shot. I know. An I what world right.
6: are we living in? But right? he
2: was. I thought he was going to be fine, but then reports came out this weekend that he's questionable Which for rims. this game. AJ Brown is out, at mm-hmm. for the Eagles, but the Eagles' defense has been just the biggest collapse this season in the NFL.
4: It's been abysmal. And I hope it doesn't cost Nick Sirianni his job, but I, if it, I, I think it might, I think it might too, and because
2: it, he's the one who made the defensive change, he he's the one that demoted Sean Desai and then promoted Matt Patricia.
4: Yeah, but the thing to do, I mean, promoting for Desai when Jonathan Gannon left was the logical move. It just didn't work out. Yes, and then you promote Patricia. I think it was more of a panic move than anything I'm just
2: trying to get something different going. Right.
4: So I I think what Sirianni needs to do is probably just clean out that staff and get a new defensive staff in there.
2: And by the way too this came out earlier today Adam Schefter just tweeting this out two hours ago Jim Harbaugh is meeting later today with the Chargers.
4: I I asked you how long do you think it'll be before he's named the coach?
2: I said can they do it today? Because I I feel like they could just do it today. Say all right.
4: And you talk about screwing somebody over. Okay, Michigan just won a championship, but who is Michigan going to hire as their new coach? Do they just promote Sharon Moore, their offensive coordinator, and mm-hmm. try to keep the same staff in place? Because now, people like Kalen DeBoer, and uh, yes. if you haven't seen Washington hired Jed Fish, all those people are taking all the good assistance.
2: They are. <laughs> they are.
4: So it's hard to build a staff now if you're Michigan. Although I guess you can just, a la Brian Kelly, steal somebody from another school.
2: Oh. That works. Yeah.
5: I for one am shocked that a college coach would leave a school when there's implications and and punishments coming down the pipe after just winning a championship. But wow, they this They don't care though. That it, <sighs> at Michigan they see have, this offered him 125 million.
2: Yeah, that, I don't that's not even a factor. He but doesn't for want him. to deal with it. Yeah. yeah
5: that's, that's pretty, why. Yeah. Why would I deal with the, why would I deal with Michigan having having reduced anything or any kind of, you know, things holding yeah. my program back when I can just f off to the NFL well, and make a bunch well, of money. And the other part of it is Matthew that As he
4: said, after winning the championship, now he can sit at the table with his dad and his brother. Well, if he wins a Super Bowl, now he's at the head of the table with Mm -hmm. his dad and his brother. I was going to
5: say, can he? I mean, here's here's my thing. Super Bowl... National championship. but
4: championships though,
5: just football
4: championships. <laughs> I mean, Jack Harbaugh didn't win saying, the Super Bowl. He's
5: got, to, he's, he's got to pull. He's, if he has a Super Bowl, then it's bra- it, then brothers bragging everything. rights. Everything. I, everything. I played yeah. in the NFL. You didn't. I won in the NFL. So did you. But we, I won more. Like, just keep racking up the wins. How, how do you like Bizarro
4: World? How about this one? Never happened. But how about Jim going to the Chargers? and michigan hiring john after the raven season
2: is over <laughs> In know is somewhere in an alternate universe yeah. that's happening would that be fun i don't know i don't know if it'd be fun it'd be weird yeah. definitely
4: oh by the way here's an idea for michigan head coach if they don't want to promote sharon moore is mike mcdonald who's a hot prospect for nfl head coaching jobs he mm-hmm. was the defensive coordinator at michigan now he's the ravens defensive coordinator under john yeah he might want to prefer the nfl i don't know but if you're michigan there will be people that have the Michigan pedigree that are Michigan men that you can hire. Okay, that's enough for the Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Coming up, the Blues finished their toughest homestand of the year tonight. Now, the big question is, how do the Blues do after this? That's next on
3: 101
1: ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101
3: ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
7: Thomas trying to send it ahead, eventually gets tripped up and the Bruins come in two on one on Pareko. McAvoy to the middle, shoots and scores. Boston gets the overtime goal, wins the game four to three. Blues will take a
5: quick look at it. Well, Thomas is fired up because of a penalty. And he didn't get the call. There's nothing you can do about it now. He's yelling at the referee. He is absolutely furious with
4: Michael Markovic. Well, oh, he, he should be. He got tripped. would you be mad?
2: <laughs> I, I would be very mad. And that's why when we were talking to Chris Kerber about it earlier, I said, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, that it was obvious that mm-hmm. that was a miscall. call. And the, uh, the other hard part of this is, is that, they can't really speak about it. The players and Bannister can't really speak about it, right?
4: They can, but they'll get fined.
2: Exactly. So it's like the NFL. You can't yeah. exactly speak out against the refs in that situation. I hope that that ref eventually addressed it with Robert Thomas, because that was a pretty egregious non-call there.
4: Yeah, it was blasphemous. Oh. oh. Egregious.
2: Egregious. Yeah. Blasphemous. <laughs> What's another one? Quick, quick. What's another one we could say? <laughs> Preposterous. Uh, uh Yeah. Oh, that's another good one. Thank you. So that may have cost the Blues a point.
4: Right now, the Blues have 44 points. They're three points out of the second wildcard spot. And as Curbs mentioned to us, Edmonton has won 10 in a row. The Kraken have won nine in a row. And the Blues are dealing with the toughest part of their schedule. That's the one saving grace, Brooke, that I'm taking out of this. Edmonton's 10 in a row. New Jersey, okay. Now, they did beat the Rangers like the Blues did. They were part of that losing streak. But then they've beaten San Jose. They've beaten the Kings. They've beaten Anaheim. They beat Philadelphia, they beat Ottawa, who the Blues didn't take advantage of playing. They beat Chicago, who the Blues didn't. This was pre-coaching change. Blues didn't take advantage of their Chicago chance. They didn't take advantage of their Detroit chance, and uh, uh, the Oilers also have beaten Montreal. So the Oilers are taking advantage of some parts of their schedule that the Blues weren't able to take advantage of. Now, coming up though. The Oilers have Toronto. They're great. Seattle has won nine in a row. They have to go to Calgary. They've and then they it, it softens up for them again. So Edmonton could be a real threat, not only for the wild card, but in their division. And then you look at Seattle, and I, I don't know how Seattle does it. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're they play a really good team game. Because I don't think that they're an exceptionally talented team. No. But they've won nine in a row and I give them credit.
2: Yeah. And you want to see the Blues kind of get on that stretch. I think that that's what we're all waiting for, for a full buy-in of a turnaround for the season, right? Is that you want to see the Blues go on a strong stretch like that, Mm -hmm. a, a strong winning streak. But aside from that, if you would have told me during these five games that they would get seven out of 10 possible points... I would say that that's a huge positive, against, especially against the teams that they played against. As you mentioned, I mean, Vancouver, Carolina, Boston, the Rangers. I think that that is a big takeaway of at least some positive changes. I, you, It feels like you want to just see more of that, a stronger stretch from the Blues.
4: Yeah, and they played the best teams in the league really tough. And now the schedule for them will soften up, but they can't play to the level of their competition, right? They played up during these games. They can't play down as the schedule softens up for them a little bit. And after this game, they've they've got Washington. They've been one of the worst teams in the league. They've got Washington on a home-and-home a couple of times. You go to Calgary, you go back to Vancouver where they're tough. But uh, the Blues need to take advantage of these opportunities because it's going to be pulling teeth towards to the end of the season. They're not going, I don't think, I don't think the Blues will go on a roll so that they'll have a playoff spot wrapped up heading into the final week of the season. I just don't see that happening.
2: No, but... I guess another positive of playing up to their competition or the bad part of playing down in their competition, if you're playing up to your competition and you are able to make it into the playoffs and get that wild card position, then you would hope that you would be able to, since they've shown some resilience, especially under Drew Bannister now, that they would be able to pull through those games.
4: And, Brooke, the one X factor in all of this that those other teams that are in the hunt, and if you look at right now the wild card race in the Western Conference... Uh, you've got Nashville leading the way you've Mm -hmm. got Edmonton second you've got Seattle third you've got Calgary fourth and then the Blues and then also in the hunt Arizona the one guy that is the X factor in all of this that no other team has is a goalie like Jordan Bennington
2: that's that's the biggest thing the way that Jordan Bennington has been competing here especially as of late this has been a good season for him but in general After the holiday break, it feels like we're getting back to the Jordan Bennington that you were expecting all season long Mm -hmm. from him. He is so strong. He is the difference maker for them. And that's what you need. That's the difference right there is to have your goalie be a difference maker for you.
4: And you might be driving along saying, Randy and Brooke, come on, he hasn't been that good. Well, tell me another one of the goalies on those other teams that has carried their team to a Stanley Cup at some point. Mm Mm-hmm. It hasn't happened. And that's why he's an X-factor, because you know that he's capable of putting a team on his shoulders and carrying it to a Stanley Cup.
2: Yeah, 100%. And if we're also looking for another positive, is the power play at least getting incrementally better?
4: The power play is coming along. I'm, are you excited?
2: <laughs> I don't know if I could be fully excited yet, Randy, but they do have four power play go- goals in their last two games. That's better than what we had seen prior Uh uh-huh so maybe this is some of the changes that they have made because there's not much that they could do but i do like some of the changes that they have made that maybe have at least sparked but the biggest thing is a spark is nice but can it be a little bit more of a lasting flame for them
4: the talent certainly is there and we wondered where this was maybe it's as simple as brad richards being hired as a consultant maybe it's just another stroke of genius by army
5: i was just about to ask is it is it is there an aggravating part that the solve seems to have been more net front, more consistent net front presence? And that is the solve. Yes, and then yeah. changing up the defenders on the power play, like or, it is. or just changing up the form. Like it just sometimes we we talk about how how confusing sports is, and as fans we go we throw out all these ideas, and not, we're never going to be correct. And then something like this happens, and you're just like well, kind of what we've been yelling about for the last year, right. and then it works. It's a little aggravating in a way. Like how, how, You couldn't have figured this one out a little
2: quicker? No there doubt. had to have been more of a reason there why they didn't incorporate Colm Perico a little bit sooner, and I know that that's been a topic of discussion of why he wasn't being more involved, and maybe they thought minutes-wise something that it would take away from another aspect of his game, but it just makes a lot of sense.
4: I think we have to be more ju- judicious in when we make these recommendations on the show because sometimes people are driving down to the (laughs) rink at a time where they might not hear it so we have to know exactly what time to make our recommendations so that they hear them and implement them
2: (laughs) i I don't think it's a coincidence that you were definitely talking about adding Colm pareko quite a bit and then sure enough bing bang there he is yep you you Uh, need a little bit of credit we uh, need to get you kind of an assistant job there I'm,
5: i'm good with this drew Banny. You're welcome. Even more so than the defenseman stuff. The net front presence stuff is wild because I feel like we've been talking about that on and off for the Blues since like twenty fifteen. And Jake Neighbors was doing it early in the season and then he kind of just stopped. And then you see him start doing it more, you get Sonny in front of the net for that one big goal uh, on the power play. It's just it seems so obvious and I'm just wondering what what was the hold of. That's yeah. what
4: that's
2: I why I like Jake Neighbors. He's not afraid to do that.
4: Why is Keith Kachuk going into the Blues Hall of Fame on Friday night? <laughs> Right? How do you get 500 goals Mm -hmm. in the NHL? Net front presence. Your net front presence. Exactly. So a lot more than that, but obviously. That helps. That that helps a lot. Yeah. He he knew how to do it. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL's Spider-Man meme. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're
3: back to the Opening Drive Podcast
4: on
1: 101 ESPN.
3: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: Fake it to him here. Love. Back foot. Has a man wide open. It's going to be caught by Musgrave. Racing towards the end zone. He is in touchdown. Green Bay
4: love making his very first nfl postseason start yesterday and he was fantastic and in his very first postseason start cj stroud of the uh houston texans was fantastic brooke this is absolutely remarkable when you look at the stat lines of these two (laughs) players and you sent this to us last night why don't you share this with the do you you have it right in front of you Um, i've got it here
2: you have it right in front of you right now it's okay you can go ahead and share
4: cj stroud was 16 of 21 on saturday on sunday Jordan Love was 16 of 21. C.J. Stroud passed for 274 yards on Saturday. Jordan Love passed for 272 on Sunday. Jordan Love passed for three touchdowns and no interceptions yesterday after C.J. Stroud had passed for three touchdowns and no interceptions on Saturday. Both quarterbacks making their first postseason start this weekend had passer ratings of 157.2. Let me give them to you again. Stroud, 16 of 21 for 274 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, passer rating of 157.2. Love, 16 of 21, the same, for 272 Stroud had 274. Three touchdowns, same as Stroud. 157.2 pass rating, same as Stroud. That is crazy. <laughs> and that is the Spider Man meme.
2: It is. And if you aren't familiar with the Spider Man meme, it's great. It's just literally the two Spider Mans pointing at each other. And it's like, we're the same thing. We're doing the exact same thing. The fact that they were, I mean, those numbers are eerie how identical that they are. Ah, I. They are identical, Randy. But. CJ Shroud, what he's been able to do this season with the Texans, I don't think anybody was expecting it. And it's interesting because with the comparisons, even though they had similar stats there, their journeys to what just happened this weekend were totally different. We talked about Jordan Love, what happened with him and being a backup for three years watching Aaron Rodgers but that really just kind of fueled him into the position he's in now where he could be ready to do this and then you have C.J. Stroud who just started right off the bat and was able to do that with the Texans. It's two very different journeys and it kind of makes you question well, which one is the right formula to get success? I
4: think it depends on the guy and your team because the Packers went to a couple of NFC championship games while Jordan Love was sitting on the bench so you had to that! If you, I think you'd take it again, but we'll never know how good or how productive Love would have been. But we do know that Love and Stroud uh, are uh, very similar. <laughs> hey, Brooke, would you like to know with your information that you provided us that Jim Harbaugh is interviewing with the Chargers today? Would you like to have my predictions for all of the coaching jobs in the NFL?
2: Oh, yes. Let me get a pen real quick so okay. I can keep track. You got it. Okay, go ahead.
4: Washington Commanders. I've got Bill Belichick going there.
2: Really? Even yep. with the reports saying that they wouldn't be interested in him?
4: Yep. Because I think that uh, They're lying. Josh Harris is ultimately going to desire him.
5: Lying's
2: an awfully strong
5: word.
4: Yep.
2: Oh, I'm digging Snyder's Atlanta guy, Falcons.
4: Uh, your guy, Mike Vrabel.
2: Okay. Okay.
5: Oh, I like that one.
4: Chargers, Harbaugh. Okay. Raiders, Antonio Pierce.
2: Yes, because you have Max Crosby mm-hmm. saying that he would request a trade right. if they didn't hire him.
4: Yep. Last year... David Tepper, the crazy owner of the Panthers, wanted Ben Johnson. Didn't get him because Johnson returned to Detroit. Now the reports are that Tepper literally has a blank check ready for Ben Johnson to be the head coach of the Panthers. But
2: if you're Ben Johnson, with everything that he's built with the Lions, and I know that you could take that elsewhere, of course he would want to be a head coach eventually. Would you really want to walk into the Lions' den, which is Tepper and his organization?
4: Blank check. Blank check. For a guy that's got like, $20 say, okay, I'll do
2: this dollars. for like a year or two, yeah, three years. Me. I'll
4: see what I can get out of Bryce Young, get some control here. I think that uh, he'll he'll take the money, and it there's only thirty two of the jobs. Okay, Titans, you're, you're you just perked up here. Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick.
2: Oh yes, I want that, please. You like it? I I would love that. Now, will it happen? I don't know. I also like Ben Johnson for the Titans. I know that mm-hmm. those are two. Very, it's every team wants Slowick and what he's done for the Texans, obviously offensively. I just think that we don't need another defensive minded coach to be your head coach. We exactly. need. An offensive mind coming in there and of course you're gonna hire probably an offensive coordinator all that stuff but it just feels like it's necessary especially if Will Levis is gonna be your franchise quarterback and you're gonna build around him and you're ushering in this new era Derek Henry highly unlikely that they re-sign him I feel like you need somebody like Slowick to come into the organization
4: I agree with you now here's the other one and this could mess everything up based on what happened yesterday I've got Seattle with Dan Quinn but I could ah. also see Dan Quinn taking over for Mike McCarthy in Dallas if McCarthy gets whacked.
5: Oh Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Quinn mentioned somebody mentioned Dan Quinn in Seattle, and it did kind of click. I'm like, oh, it just makes sense. He was, I mean, was yeah, there he was, was, he was, Super Bowl. He, they like him. He literally creates the the, the cover three Legion of
2: Boom schematic
5: yeah. or perfects it, I guess.
4: Yeah. So that leaves
5: that
2: could really, I mean, there's there's a lot with these situations where one just kind of surprise move has a complete domino effect on all the other right. positions. Right.
4: And that's why I have Washington and Belichick. That's my X-Factor play. Because he did grow up in Annapolis, Maryland. And I know that they want to build for the long term. But they also are trying to get a stadium and they want to compete now. And I, I just believe that Belichick fits what they are. Now, this morning on and i think we touched on this a little bit but this morning on unsportsmanlike they were suggesting belichick to the cowboys
2: i and that's the thing that's something that has been really percolating since everything that happened with the cowboys this past weekend is that maybe you do bring in bill belichick i to me it doesn't make much sense and maybe it does because then you have a playoff roster right that he would be able to come in there Mm -hmm. he's not Needing to develop a quarterback unless they are going to move on from Dak Prescott. Do you think they're going to move on from Dak Prescott? I don't
4: think so. And here's my thing with BB. And I know Chris Canty said, oh, uh, they'd win with – if Belichick had Dak Prescott. Belichick didn't win with Cam Newton. Yeah. You know, Belichick hasn't won with uh, Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. It's, he, he's won – with Tom Brady.
2: Don't you think too that Belichick wants to get away from the obvious narrative that's out there right now? Because the stat is out there. You've mentioned it several times about what he is without Tom Brady. But don't you think he wants to get away from the narrative of having like somebody who's kind of controlling everything above him or controlling his story? I think that he would want to be in an organization where it's clearly he can be the one that's in front of the media, the mm-hmm. one that's controlling the story, the narrative, where you couldn't say, like, oh, Jerry Jones is going to be his puppet master. Because whoever takes the job with the Cowboys, that's always going to be the story, right?
4: Jerry Jones will never stop having press conferences. No. After games.
2: And even questioning yep. his own coaches. Will Bill Belichick be OK with that? And and if I can't see if, that.
4: If Belichick calls Parcells and, said, and says, hey, can I control him? Parcells is gonna say, no, you can't control them, because Parcells didn't. If, if Parcells couldn't, Belichick won't. And Belichick has told his assistants in the past, if anything gets out of this blanking building, any of our secrets get out of this blanking building, whoever did it is fired. That's, and what, will it That's yeah. what it doesn't make
2: sense. That's what, And Jerry Jones, you won't have to even search for who's letting it out. Jerry exactly. Jones will literally be doing a press conference. And you can go back and watch it and hear everything that he's saying.
4: Yeah. Belichick doesn't let his assistants talk to the media. Mm-hmm. So, and he is notorious for threatening people uh, who would leak any little tiny secret out of the building. So I'm with you there. I think that that would be a really difficult thing for Belichick to uh, to live with is yes. that his owner is going to be talking all the time. And I know Kraft talk all, talked all the time, but Kraft didn't talk about football. No. He wasn't ha- holding po- post-game press conferences.
2: No. It was, it's very different because it's just, you know, that's every single coach that comes in. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be the story of Jerry Jones is the one who's truly running the show there.
4: The question I would have, and I have no idea what the answer is, and I don't think anybody does, does Jerry Jones have it in him at the age of 81 to say, I got to get another Super Bowl and I'll do whatever it takes, even if it includes getting it in writing for Bill Belichick that I won't talk to the media.
2: I can't see him doing that. I can't see him doing that whatsoever. It makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, especially if your formula isn't working. You Mm -hmm. should change it. I just can't see Jerry Jones stepping away in that manner. Here's the thing.
4: On the biggest night of many people's lives at the Hall of Fame ceremony, he hijacked it by talking (laughs) for an hour. And yes. causing Kurt Warner to have to edit his own speech. That's so, so terrible. Right. And and Jerry, he's going to hijack everything. He, that's just who he is. Same yeah. thing with moving the Rams.
2: Uh-huh.
4: He hijacked the process. And there's people here that want to blame Clark Hunt for some reason. I don't get it. No, that was all Jerry Jones doing. All J- Jerry Jones and Eric Rubin's doing. And Clark Hunt had nothing to do with the Rams leaving St. Louis and going to L.A. He was along for the ride. But Jerry Jones... He was the the ship's captain there. He was. So, uh, so he's he when a guy has that much power and gets away with it for so long, it's almost impossible to turn that power over.
2: There's no way that he steps away whatsoever. Even if it meant guaranteeing a championship, do you think like even if it said, okay, you're going to get a championship if you do this? I don't think that he could. I just I no. think cuz he wouldn't believe it. He'd be like, "No." Yeah. Surely not.
4: I agree. Yeah. And, and he, th- then somebody'd say, "You have to say, please don't call me Shirley." <laughs> um <laughs> Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Matthew Rocchio has it. Do you
5: have a hill to die on today? Uh, that's in the 10 o'clock hour. Oh, I forgot we're going
4: until oh, 10. Oh, we
2: are going on until 10 yeah, today. Did you guys forget we're we going until 11? We did forget. That's the why te- I was asking you what's coming up in rock and roll earlier. I mean, we're doing
5: rock and roll here, but we also oh, have an hour after that.
2: Randy, are you excited? Awesome.
4: <laughs> so it's
5: on the rundown. What? You, it's. I'm, I'm, I'm just
4: not paying attention, hour. Matthew. I've got i've got I other things on my mind on i forgot too i know i'm, I'm literally I, i'm literally looking here's the grid that i get every day i'm literally looking at it and i have no blanking idea
2: okay? <laughs> we we're we're very you know present people we just take things one moment at a time we one have an day attention span at of eight and a I... half seconds right <laughs> so bad i completely forgot about that <laughs> yeah, me
5: too Ooh, all right that'll be a fun
4: hour then so coming up we do have rock and roll Uh, Coming your direction here on uh, the opening drive, plus a balloon party, I guess, on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: Let's rock. Let's rock today.
4: Okay so uh one question before we start rock and roll text <laughs> 65 no not uh, it's been only like Whoa, 13 months what, what it's what only been is 13 that? months text 314399964 6314399 yo ho and here's the question so uh Brooke is going to try out or audition oh, for a no, no. Uh, sports okay. thing today and the, the question is have you ever thought of this being called an audition, which it is, you are 100% right, but I always thought of it as like a tryout or uh, an attempt to make the team. I never thought of it as an audition,
2: it, you but can you're, say, but you're not wrong. Okay, I, I'm not technically wrong. Is it the right word to have chosen? No. Is Brooke also a little sleepy? yes okay and then forgot that we also are staying here for an extra hour today True. and i needed a diet coke to power me through <laughs> yes these are all correct things but you're right i should have said try out i just said audition in the moment and rock's like oh my god why would you say audition like it was just the it worst j- thing no, on because earth when you
5: said i'm trying out or you said i'm auditioning i said i'm
2: auditioning. Yeah.
5: What My question was simply, like... Because you, I, I you, like,
2: you think of dancing, you think of... No, it was... You, I, I, is that I,
5: what it was? I, I, no, it was like, I didn't know what that pertained. Because like, if you tell you I'm trying out, I go, okay, well, then you're going to have to play some tennis. And they're just going to grade yeah. you hard. there's just going to be, are you good or are you bad? Here's your skill level. When you say try out, though, I'm just wondering, like, I just... It, it, there's a different connotation in my mind that it's going to be, like, less just, like, hardcore, like, performance. And more, like, performative. Like, well, are you, like, you know... Or do you like tennis? Is this something that we can, like, you know, can we promote you as being a good tennis player on, like, social media? Like, are you good in videos? And are you good at tennis? I didn't know if it was a combination thing.
4: That being said, though, you try out for a play. You try out for a spot in a band, right? Uh It's the same thing. It's just that
2: I think it's more of people associate certain words. So I am auditioning or trying out, I guess, (laughs) to see if I— Auditioning for trying out. Yes, auditioning and trying out for tennis. Yeah, you'll win seeing it's so not it's this, not that it's not that competitive it's just that with the Missouri Athletic Club I am I've been really excited as you guys know I'm I've played tennis my whole life and I've been waiting to join a tennis league and the Missouri Athletic Club has a great tennis program with some competitive people over mm-hmm. there and so this is just c- to kind of see like what rating cuz in tennis you have a rating system uh-huh. and so like where I could place okay. there
4: so question do you have the bag that holds, like, three or four rackets?
2: I do. Everybody I do else several. is
4: done, then. Everybody else is done. You're, you're, you're winning. It's, it's over for them. <laughs>
2: is that is that, the, yeah. mm-hmm. is that what you're checking for? Yeah. Randy, there's a lot of people with three or four rackets, because I was just paying attention one day, and people were just walking in with, like, four rackets, everything's like that. They have mm-hmm. their tennis skirts. I was like, I haven't bought a new tennis skirt in probably a decade, uh-huh. so I might need to do that. Yeah, get, I feel well, like i got yeah, yeah, Does to get with the program. You're going to be
4: gonna go white? buy clothes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, do you ever slam a racket to the ground?
2: Yes, I'm putting, I've I'm never putting done that. that. What? I've never done that. I've what? never done that. Why do you seem so shocked, Rock?
5: There's just I'm this uh, perfectionist. There's
2: just there is just <laughs> <laughs> there is you. Mwah? You, mm. Who's super competitive just, mm. and a perfectionist? No.
5: Me, so you never slammed a racket, but you, like my parents, you did something else. My parents else. are
2: listening, and they will call. In between the break, and they will vouch. I have never. They would absolutely yeah, murder me. They would murder me if I did something like that <laughs> okay. to a racket. I promise you. So now you have, I, have I been? Have did I been ever, angry? Did yes. you ever hit the net? After mm, after a no. match
5: with the racket? For you. No,
2: I would never do anything like that because I never show weakness to my opponents. That's where the competitiveness comes in. Good. Never show weakness. Good.
4: You know, Mariana Rivera. Passion
5: is a weakness.
2: Hmm. Well, and, if you're angry in the game, you slam a racket, then you don't have a racket to play with.
4: Yep. You know how uh, some pitchers <laughs> will say, <laughs> oh, that's true. Some pitchers, some, some pitchers will say uh, he hit a good pitch. Like uh, Mariano Rivera in his entire career never said that. Every hit, every home run that he ever allowed was on a bad pitch by him. Mm-hmm. It was because <laughs> it, he controlled the narrative and the hitter never really had a <laughs> chance. It was, everything that happened against Mariano Rivera, according to him, was because of mistakes that he made. It wasn't because anybody else was good.
2: Mm, I like that. I do, too. And I also want to play pickleball. I, I asked one of my friends this weekend, because we haven't played pickleball since the last time I told you guys, I was mm-hmm. like, I didn't scare you too much. did I? <laughs> I know I can get a little competitive. I wasn't too much. She's like, no, I want to play with you again. Oh, good. So good. I'm not that scary when okay. it comes to tennis or good. pickleball.
5: And hey, what do we got on rock and roll there, Matthew? Well, uh, you guys mentioned it, but I did want to bring some audio to the forefront of what happened in Chicago this weekend when they were honoring their ring of honor, their Hall of Famers, and they were going through all the greats, and obviously there's a lot of greats from that 90s run, and one of them was the GM of the time, and that was Jerry Krause, and if you watched the last dance, and I think... Everyone did, considering the timing of its mm-hmm. release. You heard Michael Jordan's comments about Jerry Krause. Everyone heard them, and apparently, a lot of people in Chicago did, because when they honored Jerry Krause, his widow was was there to be honored for him, and booze rained down from the United Center rafters. Derek Harper, one of the best Bulls from that time, had to go over and console Mrs. Krause because it, the the booze were hitting her. You could tell it was affecting her, and here was Stacey King, who won three championships with that bull team here was Stacey King on the broadcast for the Bulls after that event.
7: Chicago is a, is a, a sports town, and what we witnessed today when Jerry Krause's name was called and the people that booed Jerry Krause and his widow, who was accepting this honor for him, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life, I hurt for that lady, brought her to tears. And whoever booed her in this arena should be ashamed of themselves. It was, that's not Chicago. That's New York, Philly. Chicago's not like that. We don't have a reputation of being that way. And whether you like Jerry Krause or not, that man brought six championships here. He didn't shoot a basket, nor did he get a rebound. But he he put a six he put six titles up in this ring. There's a lot of teams don't that even have one.
5: That was Stacy King again, who has three of those mm-hmm. six rings, and I, I couldn't agree with his statement anymore. And and, and I'm gonna extra- extrapolate a bit a little bit more. Michael Jordan's got to come out and make a statement that Thank you. Michael say, Jordan yes. has to yep. make a statement that because he this he is the yeah. impetus yes. this doesn't happen if this ceremony ha- it happens in 20, 2019 this is not the reaction right. to Jerry Krause this is Jordan coming out in the last dance and making the comments he did he's got to make a statement after what happened
4: yeah and it's too late now yeah. it is the, the silence right. was and is deafening From Michael Jordan.
2: That was just absolutely sick because she was. She was crying. And the way that they set it up, one, it was a bad omen already not having Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan there. It sets the stage for something bad like that to happen. Can I make a
4: quick point here, Brooke? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They announced this on December 12th. They, yes. they, gave, they give themselves a month to plan this ceremony
2: yes so you know how it's going to go and you know that scotty's not going to show up you know that michael jordan's not going to show up so it was already a bad omen from the start and then they have the chair set up and then they go to her and she's crying as they are booing her it was absolutely terrible michael jordan should have already by now on Mm -hmm. monday should have already come out and said something because that was one of the saddest things i've ever seen she didn't deserve that jerry didn't deserve that i know that there's a lot of issues with how everything was broken up michael's been very vocal Mm -hmm. about that but he is gone you knew he wasn't going to be there he wasn't going to show up so to boo his widow is just absolutely awful
4: now i'm not going to claim that we are holier than thou here in st louis because i guarantee you if the same thing happened with the cardinals and we were honoring the multiple world championships, and the same. And John Mozalek's picture was put up on the screen. There's going to be people in the stadium that boo.
2: Would they boo his widow, though? I don't think the well, Cardinals fans would. Fans do that. don't
5: have that. I, I think I think fans are bad at having self-awareness. I think so too. I think fans are the, the
2: worst moment in the world is a mob mentality. Uh, yeah. yeah,
5: mob mentality, a complete lack of self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. that's the worst time for for that that kind of moment, and it's all the variables yeah. kind of perfect storming it. So, I
4: think sports fans generally now are different than they were I don't think class is something that sports fans really worry of not everybody but there's a really vocal minority that doesn't worry about being classy and they just re, however outrageous and ridiculous their opinion might be they need to voice it and that includes hating the general manager of a team that won six championships under his watch and he's in Jerry dead Trump's.
2: yeah he's dead the right. man's dead
4: yeah it's it's ridiculous it's horrible and I, I i mentioned because somebody on twitter was trying to defend it and i said there's never any defense for
2: what were they how were they trying to defend it
4: they saying that they were saying that it was the bull's fault because they knew what would happen when they flashed his picture on the screen
2: they don't i it's, and I said there's
4: never it's never a good look to boo somebody's widow
2: no it it never is
5: never so it's you i mean really you can't you can't have the you actually have hindsight to look back and say oh These are all the situations that was happening. He was losing the coach. Michael was probably Mm -hmm. going to, Michael was going to retire again. You know, the the fact that there's a cap, I mean, you you have now the benefit of hindsight. And that's why, and that's why I just think that it's clear the last dance did this because no one, everyone just looks at Jerry Krause as the GM of a six-time winner, not this scumbag rat that that Jordan has portrayed him as, which he obviously wasn't. It's awful.
4: That's rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a balloon party with us. Is it time to get interested and be enthusiastic about the outfield potential of the Redbirds? That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: You are back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN,
3: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
8: Well, I think in Nupar's in, in case, just the ability to show he can go pole to pole, right? Meaning, like, stay healthy. He's got tremendous upside, tremendous talent. And I think in Walker's case, it's, you know, from a defensive standpoint, you hope he can get to where he's at least league average from a defensive standpoint. We certainly felt like he was trending that way towards the end of last year. He's been uh, spending the month of uh, January working with Jose Oquendo down in Florida. So that's encouraging. Um... But I think it's, it, as you can imagine, from a offensive side, it's a pretty exciting group. Um, guys that actually profile out as corner outfielders that sky could be the limit. And so ultimately, that's what you're hoping to see come together.
4: Cardinal Pobo, John Zelock, It's 10.03 in St. Louis, your time check. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And... Even though these guys haven't done it before at the major league level, done it being participated in playoffs or had great full seasons, I'm enthusiastic. I am, as Mo would say, bullish on the abilities of Lars Newtbar and Jordan Walker. I hope they're as good as I think they can be. But Brooke, I think one of the things, especially for Newtbar that we have to look at is availability i have no idea no no doubt that jordan walker is going to be a stud by the way he's Mm -hmm. up to 260 pounds and as mo mentioned he's been working on his defense with jose Okendo, which is huge and he will be mo said we hope that he can be a league average i think he'll be an above average defender simply because he's got the athleticism he's got the arm the speed Uh, hopefully he has the instinct and we know Newt Bar can play defense. So the, the big thing for me is Lars going to be there in left field. And is he going to be able to maximize his apparent ability?
2: I think that that's, that was a big talker yesterday. And of course, we're going to get some text in and some people will say, well, of course, all the players are going to talk about how they want to be available the entire season. But that is what you want to hear from the guys. Brendan Donovan talked about it. Jordan Walker talked about it. And Lars Newtbar talked about it as well, about being available for the entirety of the season and how that's been a focus of his off season training. But also because we've seen kind of Lars Newtbar in his short time here with the Cardinals kind of have, have a tale of two halves that we have seen with him, where you want to see a full body of work from him where it's not just the first half maybe down and then he heats up in the second half he talked about emphasizing making sure that he can put that all together that's also been a focus of his training where he doesn't just have a high performance of Mm -hmm. one half of the season and last year we know the injuries were something that hampered him and some of those injuries were not necessarily of his own doing there were some funky things that happened there but I think that was the emphasis for all the guys Nolan Gorman talked about Mm -hmm. that as well where his nutrition and focusing on that so that he could reduce inflammation in his body was a big factor of his off-season training. So, of course, all the guys are going to say those things. Jordan Walker, to me, I felt like was the most impressive when it came to his off-season approach, because he just talked about every single thing that he's been doing. I mentioned working with Brendan Donovan, getting advice from him, Mm -hmm. but he also was talking about some of the other players. He believes that we have yet to see all of Mason win, and his full potential, he has full belief in what he's able to do, and he was talking about Victor Scott II, and called him the Cardinals Mookie Betts.
4: That could be the case. There's... Very little doubt in my mind that Victor Scott, and I don't know that he'll ever hit for the power that Mookie Betts does, but I know what Jordan's talking about in terms of their ability. They both grew up in suburban Atlanta. They were aware of each other in Mm -hmm. high school. Everybody knew who Jordan Walker was in high school, and with uh, the speed possessed by Victor Scott, uh, Walker was aware of him. And they both have very distinct abilities, but their abilities are great. Now, we talked about the corners and one interesting name that we haven't heard here is Dylan Carlson. And there's a reason for that. John Mozeliak talked about how the Cardinals are going to put an emphasis on defense. And the players that make the Cardinals the best defense are what we would expect.
8: Well, I definitely think that makes us the best defensive club. Um, obviously, Dylan Carlson can play center. So, I mean, I think we could have some flexibility there. But I do think if, if Wins at short and Tommy's in center, that's probably the strongest defensive club we could
4: have. And that's a, a big thing, not to take anything away from Dylan Carlson's abilities in center field, yes. but man, last year the defense was so spotty, and it did get better at times as the second half unfolded. But Mason Wynn, and I, I mentioned this before Mason Wynn ever came up, he has Trey Turner type ability to play shortstop. He's got those sorts of tools. We know he's got the rocket arm, he's got great range. Defensively, I don't really have any questions about Mason Wynn, and then... Tommy Edmund in center, and we talked about it last year. People say, well, what about the arm? What about the arm? What about – how often does a center fielder's arm really need to be shown off? Now, would you like to have it in those two or three times a week? Yeah, you'd like to have it. But mm-hmm. I'd rather have the guy that gets to and catches more baseballs than the guy that doesn't get to as many balls but has a great arm.
2: I I mean, I think that there is a reason that Tommy Edmund was their center fielder. Even remember, when Dylan Carlson came back from injury, they didn't put him back in center field. They kept Tommy Edmond. I think that says Mm -hmm. a lot about how they viewed Tommy Edmond as their center fielder. Now the big concern, of course, is with his wrist, will he be fine throughout the season? And when does Victor Scott come into the question? Mm -hmm. And where does Dylan Carlson then fit in all of this? When does he get the reps?
4: And I wonder if long-term, if when Victor Scott comes up, if you might... And I I don't think that Tommy Edmond profiles as a corner outfield. No. So... I. that's one of the things. If you talk about the Cardinals, and I know they'd like to keep Goldie, but does Walker move into first, and does somebody else play right field? Does Chase Davis wind up in right field with Victor Scott the second in center? Because ultimately, Tommy Edmund is not going to be on this team. I th- I think that with all the young players you have on the on the way, and Tommy Edmond is. A great guy who I'd love to have on the team forever, forever, but let's just look at the numbers game. Mm -hmm. Newt Barr has power potential. Victor Scott can steal 100 bases and he's young and and inexpensive. Jordan Walker has a chance to be a stud, but then Davis, like we say, normally from your corner outfielders, you want to have a really high slug, and Tommy doesn't provide that, so you move Walker into first and you put one of the other guys out in the corner and that leaves either second base or a utility role if he's here for Tommy Edmund.
2: Uh, this is really funny because I was actually just about to say this, but somebody texted him from the 618. They need to stop playing musical chairs and let people play where they need to. So they are kind of addressing mm-hmm. that where yeah. they're saying, OK, this is who we want. It was interesting because Lars said that he didn't hear that. He didn't know that John Moselek had said that. Now, I do think it's important to note that John Moselek didn't clearly. Did he say, like, for sure, this is going to be who our center? F-. I think he said this it, is it how was they would It said during hope. the
4: winter meetings. Yeah, that he was kind of insinuating that was,
2: that's how they yeah, want it to right. play. Out.
4: And then they got rid of O'Neill, and they got rid of Palacios, yeah. and they, he did say that Carlson would battle for at-bats as a fourth outfielder. Now another name here is Alec Burleson, yes. who has been the backup first baseman, but the Cardinals have talked to him about improving as well.
5: You only have one DH, and it's the the main goal is to get in the lineup. So, um, you know, conversations with, with people at the end of the year, you know, suggested that I needed to um, be more reliable in the outfield, and I took it took it personally like not in a in a bad way but I took it personally and said okay if, if that's what you guys want from me that's what I'm going to do and like I said I've changed my body I've changed a lot of things and I'm moving a lot better so yeah I mean it's it's important to to not only do it for my sake but just just to get in the lineup um, and, and just have give myself a better opportunity to play every day
4: and it's going to be hard for him unfortunately because the Cardinals like what they have in so many of their players and I just don't know, ultimately, Brooke, what Alec Burleson could be. Is he going to be a guy that hits 46 or 47 homers like Kyle Schwarber has the last couple of years? To me, if you're going to play the kind of defense that he's played before, you better have OPSs of 827, 817 with huge slugs. If you're going to, mm-hmm. if you're going to perform... Now, he's, a, I think, a better hitter, not a better power hitter, but a better hitter, than Kyle Schwarber, but his defense definitely needs improvement. And this club is going to have to count on defense.
2: They are. And if you actually look at some of his numbers, too, he had a pretty low strikeout rate, which I think is a positive for him. But I do understand what they're talking about defensively, that they need to see more from him in that aspect. He actually talked about how he lost 12 pounds this offseason in an effort to I guess be healthier, or mm-hmm. is that a fair thing to say? Yeah. Or maybe in the right shape to handle that role defensively? Yeah. And to, not just to that be he's to out of shape, not body shaming here. Uh huh. But he lost 12 pounds. Yes. Yeah. Well,
4: <laughs> that should tell us something, right?
2: It should. I just realized I, I was like, I don't know if that sounded weird or not. I'm not trying to body shame him, but I do understand the reasoning for maybe getting, losing some weight and getting in shape in that aspect. Yeah.
4: And I want to go back to what I said about power because his highs in the minors were 22 home runs, 20 home runs. He's he's never been a huge power guy, mm-hmm. but... It, he has a
2: 41% hard hit rate last season. Is yeah, what it, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. And he
4: had, in his last year at Memphis, had a 905 OPS the year before that. He had a 963 OPS at high A. He's kind of skipped over. He, he had a little cu- cup of coffee at Springfield, 822 OPS. But now in two years in the majors, uh, he's at a, a 535 and a 691 OPS. So he needs to improve both offensively and defensively. And he's an emerging player. He's not he a, is. He, He's not anything close to a finished project.
2: No. And does it feel, just from your view and perception of it, it feels like Ali Marmol thinks very highly of Alec Burleson, yeah. too.
4: I think the organization does. And they they think that he's on a trajectory that'll allow him to be, at some point, hopefully a major league player.
5: Is there any chance that they're saying, hey, get better at defense so they can give you more consistent at bats because of the Nolan-Gorman factor? There is only one DH, but yep. what, if your, <clears throat> what if your star 23, 24-year-old DH goes down with back issues again? You'd like to have a big power bat that you can just step mm-hmm. in right there. And again, we've, they've, we've talked about with a lot of these guys. They worry about not getting enough at-bats to where guys can actually develop, and I think that's a big thing now with Burleson.
4: And here's the other thing. Let's go back to the beginning of our conversation. Lars Zupar hasn't always been there. No. So you want to be able to have a guy that you can plug in and not have to trade for Richie Palacios or not have to try to count on... Uh, Tyler O'Neill, you'd like to have a reliable outfielder if, for whatever reason, Lars Ubar can't be available for you in left field. Mm -hmm. That's Brooke. That's Matthew. I'm Randy. Coming up, Ali Marmol talked to the media, and we're going to find out what he learned in year two, the 71-win season for the Cardinals. That's next on The Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. (laughs) You are
1: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: The Cardinals
4: skipper Ali Marmal is speaking to the media this morning over at the Cardinals winter Warm Up. And one of the things that Ali talked about was what he's learned in two years as manager, especially after winning only 71 games last year in his second year on the
5: gig. You learn a lot. Um, You have a positive season in 22, you have a season in 23
2: that wasn't so positive. It it was a difficult year, and you learn a lot about yourself. Last year, and I said this last night at the the dinner, it it tested
4: my character. It really did. It it makes you sit back and really think through what went well, what didn't, and what I would do different. And um, the reality is I I needed to be better. Last year wasn't good enough. And
1: our staff needs to be better. Um, but that starts with me.
5: Well,
4: uh, fortunately for him, he listens to this show. So uh, that <laughs> that will help in any endeavor in which you're trying to better yourself in the sports realm. Uh, and, Brooke, I, I, we've talked about this a lot. I don't think that Ali has been put in the best position by Cardinal management. Whether it's be perception or reality, I think that Number one, he didn't have a good bullpen last year. No. And he didn't have a good rotation. It's hard for any manager to look good if he doesn't have pitching, right? Mm-hmm. And then things happened from a communication standpoint. Things happened with Tyler O'Neill in fifth game of the season. Things happened with Wilson Contreras 30 games into the season. And that made things look like he was uh, lacking from a command standpoint and a communication standpoint. But then you talk to the players, and the players are – And everybody around the club, not just the players, everybody around that ball club has a world of respect for Ali Marmol and the way he conducts his business. And hopefully the Cardinals have put him in a better position this year. And one thing I hope is that he is not beholden to a pregame script. I hope that the Cardinals truly let him manage. And they're all going to say that they're letting him manage, but I hope they do let him manage because I think the players would appreciate his management style. And I also think that he does have the ability to look ahead and to be thinking in the fifth inning about what's going to happen in the seventh, what I need to do in the seventh.
2: Well, and I think that there is a theme that you are starting to see and we've talked about this in baseball where it feels like we're getting back to that old school mentality. You're seeing it. It, Yes, where that that gut instinct has to be allowed to come into play. You can't just stick to the script of this is what happens in this situation, that situation. You have to have a manager that's confident in that moment of this is what I know that we need and I'm going to ride this and this is going to work out in this way. You need somebody who is allowed to use their gut instinct in those situations. And I think that with them adding and bolstering the coaching staff, not just here at the bigs, but also throughout maybe the organization, some internal promotions that they've had there – that that's another thing where you hope that he will be put in the right position. I think bringing in Daniel Descalso was a great move mm-hmm. by the organization because I remember, you saw it too, how Skip, when he was on the bench, I mean, he really just brought that kind of, it was a way that he was able to relate to players, and from everything that I've heard about Daniel Descalso, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him yet, but it seems like he would be able to do kind of that same thing of really connecting with the players and being a former player in that way, I think helps.
4: Yeah, and Hopefully I, I don't know what Daniel Descalso is as a strategist. And one thing Ali has talked about, whether it was in the first year with Skip or last year with Joe McEwing, is that they essentially have a three hour conversation about the game and about talking about what's going to happen. I feel because Daniel Descalso not only played under Tony LaRusso, but we know mm-hmm. Daniel pretty well, he was paying attention to Tony LaRusso. Yes. I think that having the conversation with him. this is not an affront to Joe McEwing, but he just wasn't working with a Hall of Fame manager. Exactly. Right? So I I think that Daniel brings some things to the table, probably that most potential French coaches don't.
2: Well, and then the other aspect is that you have Yachty or Molina coming back into the organization. Mm-hmm. So that was another big talker with John Mosellock this weekend is Yadier's return and what that role will look like for him. So I think that that's going to be a big thing is seeing what Yadier will look like when he returns in that position and what he'll be able to do. But anytime you have Yadier back around your organization, I think it's a good thing.
8: He's going to be like my right-hand man on everything. No, he's going to be someone that – uh You know, gets his feet wet. Um, I plan on meeting with him whenever he's done in Puerto Rico um, in terms of kind of getting with him and letting him understand how we think about, like, player acquisitions, how we value players, and and just really giving him an introduction to that side of the business. And then, of course, uh, you know, anything he can do to help some of our younger catchers, we're going to welcome. I think he's going to want to do that a lot. Um, So... My guess is his comfort level is going to be more like towards that side of things, but we definitely know that we want to work on some of the things that we deal with on the front office side that he wants some exposure to.
2: So Yachty does a lot to help the organization. He will do a lot to help the organization. We saw when, in his absence that it felt like it was underappreciated what he was able mm-hmm. to do for the pitching staff, for the organization in general. So it's great to have him back around. But, Randy, you're talking about putting Ollie in a good position. But it, does it also put him in a tough position to have Yadi Armalina around because – you see it. I see it. Everybody's talking about it. Yachty wants to be a manager. He wants to be a manager in Major League Baseball, and he's made that abundantly clear, and I think fans also are clamoring for that as well. So, John Moselak was asked about that position. Um,
8: not really, but I can understand why it would be a question. Um, yeah, it, it could become real. We'll find out. But I, I don't think entering into this would make sense to like approach it that way. Uh, you know, clearly... I'm a big advocate for Ollie. I believe in him, and, but we also recognize like last year was not good, and so you know we have to make some adjustments. We have to do some things differently, and, and and hopefully we do it in a
2: successful manner. So, what do you think about the position that that puts Ollie in? I
4: think especially because he doesn't have a contract for 2025. I think that could be an untenable situation. You better have a pretty good group of players or be winning, because if things are spiraling and you only have three games against uh, three walkover games in April, right? It's the three games against Oakland. What happens if you get off to another 10 and 24 and a player that might be predisposed to checking out says, you know what, Ollie's not going to be managing me next year anyway. I don't care. And that player starts to check out. I don't want to be in that situation if I'm an organization. I don't want to be paying a player a bunch of money or any money if he has the propensity to check out on a manager because things are not going the way that he expected them to go. If I were the Cardinals... And I were committed to Ali Marmol. If I were an advocate, like he says, for Ali Marmol, I'd give him one year contract extension. What difference is it going to make? If they, what's he making? $2 million, maybe? Mm-hmm. Give him, what, what's really $2 million to a baseball organization? It's a drop in the bucket. So if, if <laughs> what's I were
2: 450, that. 450000 to a baseball organization. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Whoop, there you go. Look, look, right, i Tommy. I'm...
4: But <laughs> they're walking into this ring of fire. They are. Because everybody in Cardinal Nation, if they get off to a bad start, is going to be clamoring for Yadier Molina to be the next manager. And they say, well, this guy's in his last year of his contract anyway. Let's just do it now. And maybe that's what the Cardinals want. I don't know. But I I feel if Ali is put into that situation, I feel bad, and I would wonder why the Cardinals just wouldn't pull the Band-Aid off and do it immediately.
2: I was wondering what kind of the reason is behind that because they're making it really clear. We know this is the final year of his contract. Mm-hmm. You're bringing in Yadier Molina. yadi has been very, very vocal about his path to wanting to be a manager. If it's not going to be with the Cardinals, then he will go elsewhere to make mm-hmm. sure that he accomplishes this goal. This is not something that he's just kind of stepping into. Yadier Molina wants to be a manager no. in Major League Baseball and he's doing everything he can to make sure that, that happens.
4: I think it's imperative for the Cardinals to get him around around the ball club to see the media responsibilities that a big league manager has to deal with. Because I wonder if his mind might change if he has to, and Ollie does media different than most managers, by he
0: the does. way. yeah.
4: But I don't know that at least two times a day, 162 times a year, if – if Yadi, based on our history with him, I don't know if he's going to be wanting to deal with the media like that, like a manager has to.
2: No, but it comes with the territory. If yeah. that is something that you want, I'm sure that he's going to have to understand and experience all that. I wonder of that. if
4: he's thought about it, though. And here's the other thing. If you're Yadi or Molina, what if, let me just pick out a player for you, uh, uh, somebody that we don't know. Part- okay, Mason Wynn. Mason okay. Wynn is from, what, Kingswood, Ohio? What if, and I think I gave him the Kingswood Cannon nickname, right? Uh Uh-huh. What if Mason Wynn owns the Kingswood Cannons United Basketball League team? And they're in the finals and he goes to Yadier Molina and says, "Yadi, I got to go and watch my basketball team in the finals. How does Yadier Molina say no to that?
2: Oh, there's so much to that story. I love that. Kingwood High School, I guess, and he was born in... Kingwood. Yeah. He was born in Katy, Texas? hmm Okay. Um, yeah, he can't exactly say no to that. But then again, do you also say, well, until you've done what I did, then you can't come and ask me those questions, but what, what Yachty every, was able to accomplish?
4: Shouldn't you treat every player the same?
2: Yeah, that's not the reality we live in sometimes, sadly, though. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets special treatment, so some, if you, especially then, if you did what Yachty did.
4: For Yachty, it would be... Do as I say, not as I do.
2: Mm, yes, okay. It'll be that. I can see that for sure,
4: yeah. so i I just wonder if I think every cardinal player should buy a minor league basketball team. <laughs>
2: And manage it. For fun. And just, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> just to see what please happens. Please don't. Just to see what happens.
5: We didn't have somebody text in and they go, will Yachty be able to delegate? He seems like an if-you-want-it-done-right-do-it-yourself kind of guy. And that includes screaming <coughs> at the officials. Because yep. you're not going to yep. leave that to your head coach. You're going to come out onto the court during a championship game. As the Kick owner. a ball across the court as the <laughs> yeah. owner. And you're going to take it into your own hands. Yeah. I love that, though.
4: I think it was great. But I just think that... Especially for players that were here, that opens him up for the same sort of treatment that he was given by the Cardinals. Yeah. And like you say, it's...
2: Like, he could easily he could easily just turn around, and, well, what have you done? Yeah. Mason Win
4: Right. But that doesn't make the player feel very good. Yeah. <laughs> who cares? Are
2: you going to argue with a guy with a neck tattoo? No, you don't. Okay, no, you don't there have we that go. That's where it all goes back to that, Randy. Mm-hmm. Will you argue with somebody who has a neck tattoo? Fair enough. No,
4: I will not. No. <laughs>
5: well, and will people try to boss him around? Because Timothy Callahan on the YouTube chat says, "I think Yadier Molina is not going to be a good manager, at least for the Cardinals. I feel he'll be another yes man in the last that the last few managers have been oh, for the no, current no, management." No, no, My no. friendo, what are
4: you talking no, about? No, 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 no. What no. question did you ask, Brooke? What? Give me the last question they asked me.
2: Are you going to argue with? Are you? Going Going to argue with a guy with a neck tattoo? You, you are not. Adam you Wainwright, are not.
4: Adam Wainwright says you don't argue with Yachty. Why? Because he's got neck tats.
2: You just don't. No, it's, it's dangerous. I, Yachty being a yes man. I don't know in what universe that could ever happen. You've seen him for a long time. I've seen mm-hmm. him for a long time. Yeah. Oh uh, no. No, no. 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 <laughs> What were you about to say, Randy? <laughs>
4: well, you know how, how in football, like when, when a player, a defensive player, you know, they say, oh, he's going to be a problem for a long time. When you're dealing with Yachty, he can be a problem. <laughs> you, you, you don't want to mess around. Don't, just don't take any chances, people. That's all I'm saying.
2: There you go. But isn't that what you want for your organization? Is for intimidation yeah. and for He's going to do that, but he's always going to do it his way. Would mm-hmm. it be the Cardinals? There, here's a good question. Would it be the Cardinals' way anymore, or would it be Yachty's way?
4: Oh, it would totally be Yachty's way. Like, can you imagine? Okay, Cardinals get into a fight with the Reds, okay? Reds player. Yeah, we've seen that. Yeah, Reds, be, Reds best player now, let's, two years down the road. Reds best player is Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz. The first game of the series, okay? Eli Dela Cruz does something like Johnny Cueto did—kicks a guy. Two days later, come back to the ballpark. You know, we played game two of the series. Eli Dela Cruz had a couple of hits last night. Then the next day, no Eli Dela Cruz. It uh, would it surprise anybody. No, I, he's some people. Some people got juice.
5: <laughs> Imagine if Brandon Phillips becomes a manager one day.
4: Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. So, uh, oh, man. yeah, he's going to be great. Yes. Uh, for whatever team, and hopefully it's the Cardinals, he will be uh, an interesting story to follow. Next up, Rock's got a hill to die on. I hope it's great. It's next <laughs> on 101. I ESPN. hope it's
1: great. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN,
3: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs>
4: With uh, Jackson Burkett, I'm Tim McKernan.
2: <laughs> yes, so what, yes. What am I?
4: Uh, Michelle Swammer back for a surprise visit.
2: Oh, okay. There we go.
4: And uh, it's uh, it's a hill to die on with, uh, with Jackson, Burkett.
2: Mm. <laughs> Jackson Burkett.
5: The NBA is the best league in... No. <laughs>
4: so, oh, no. My it's God. actually rocks, rocks hill to die on. We wanted to do something spectacular that might get those guys fired. <laughs>
2: um, but but I then, guess, then Randy we would have to do the extra hour all the time oh, That's
4: a yeah. good point <laughs> So, I, so <laughs> I, won't I, do it.
5: I decided to throw that Suggestion away and I picked up a much Much lighter suggestion but I'm still going to be coming After people because for the second time uh, On the Hills the Dine I'm going to be coming after The Department of Transportation but this isn't okay, just Missouri I'm going nationwide
4: Before you do yours can Go I ahead. just give yeah, one
5: you got, a, you got a little one? Sure yeah. On that soapbox um, little
4: hill. Okay. Um, little hill. And, and I know this might Sound a little bit harsh Okay. But Thelma uh, Krause, it's an NBA crowd. Come on, let's toughen up. I'm just saying. That's my hill to die on. Really? You, you know, you're going to get booed.
2: Kobe no! Bryant got booed. Randy. No. Shaquille O'Neal got booed. This is unbelievable. It, Mary she, Bird she, got didn't, booed. she didn't have anything to do with what happened. She was just.
5: All right,
4: question.
5: Alive. Fine, Randy, she got, question.
2: She got booed. Toughen she cried. She cried. Randy, fine. She she cried. Cried. Randy. fine. her
5: dead husband. No, let's lay this down I mean, the real thing. Keith Hernandez cried when he got booed here, too. Let's right. let's toughen up, Randy. <laughs> if they should match up in the tournament again, mm-hmm. should Illinois fans boo Sister Jean? Yes.
4: No.
2: 100%.
5: 100%.
2: She's like over 100 years old. She's 104. No. She's seen it all. <laughs> Apparently not that.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: Don't boo her, please. She's a hundred and something years old.
4: All right. Fine. (laughs) So age is a reason that we shouldn't boo somebody? Stan Kroenke's old. (laughs) Jerry Jones is old.
2: They're not a hundred years old. All
5: right.
4: So you get a pass?
2: Yeah.
5: You tell me after I turn a hundred, I can just do all the, I can do as many evil things I want?
2: No, she's, oh, so you're saying Sister Jean's evil, huh?
5: If I'm an Illini fan, I am. Okay. Devil magic. Let's let's go back to
4: the beginning of this, because I was just joking. Have you ever felt as sorry for anybody as you felt for that lady?
2: Oh, that was. No. Her, I, her I hands felt, were shaking. I did no, not. Want, I, I literally felt sick to my stomach. It was horrible I can't it. get through
5: the full clip.
4: Yeah, it's terrible.
5: It, yeah, it, 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 it... I hate yeah, everything. She was
4: before. obviously shaken to her core, literally yeah. shaken to her core. It was terrible. It was. So, all right, but she does need to talk. All right, uh,
2: Hilda <laughs> no, Dion. Don't, don't add the little thing. <laughs> Randy, <there. Rennie>,
5: <laughs> 60 years ago, if you believe the stories, this country went to the moon. I believe the stories personally. We have 19... 63?
4: So is it um, 60 years? Well, we went to we walked on the moon in 68, right? <laughs>
5: I'm looking at Ryder because I thought he'd have the year ready, and he does not. Yeah, it, no well, one. no, because
4: Kennedy said we were going go to go. moon. 69, 69, 69, 69. Okay, and I said 63, 69. Yeah. Um, one small step for whatever. Man, one giant. Yeah, one giant step for mankind. There you go.
2: So is your hill to die on that you don't believe it happened? No, 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 I that, like, the, I like that on. angle. Uh, Let's go with that. It absolutely, go. that um, oh. it,
4: it absolutely did happen. We're
5: not going to do that one. It absolutely did happen. More people should get punched by Buzz Aldrin for saying it didn't. Uh, that's hilarious. No, I'm just going to go with the fact that we as a country are so technologically advanced. We should have defeated snow and ice a long time ago. There's no reason Run that, like, there's no reason <laughs> in a quicker way that isn't as long-lasting. For, for temporary moments, for like a week at a time, we should be able to shut down snow and ice on the roads. There should be, like, heat. Why, how do we not have heated roads across this entire country yet? We went to the freaking moon! How can we not figure out a better way so that people aren't in danger? Like, how can we not figure out a way so that even if there is a blizzard that hits t- Buffalo... Mm-hmm. They can shut down, they, they don't have to shut down the game, not for because the game might be dangerous, but because the roads are going to be so dangerous getting there that they can't have the game. Can't we figure out some way, with all this technology we have, that snow, ice, wind, and a little bit of frozen rain does not defeat the human civilization?
4: If I'm not mistaken, at multiple NFL stadiums, I, m- I believe MetLife Stadium is one of these, they have. Heating cores underneath the turf to allow the turf to actually melt the snow. Why wouldn't you be able to put a similar technology underneath pavement? I am with you 100%. I have no idea why we can't fix this problem.
2: I agree, but if they can't even fix potholes, (laughs) then why are we expecting them to heat the road? (laughs) I'm just going to point this out there's a lot of potholes. So,
5: tangential um, hill to die on. How have we not figured out a better form of concrete? Like we've been doing this for like a thousand years and every time in St. Louis, because I think, honestly, I think the the weather is why it's so bad in St. Louis because you get the the constant warm, cold, warm, cold, and that that cracks everything. How have we not figured out a better form of concrete yet? Speaking of this technology holding us back, what are we doing, people?
4: All right. I got a reason for you. Okay. Can we we go a little conspiracy theory?
1: Yes. When we
4: want to fix economies, what do we do? We fix the infrastructure by putting billions of dollars into the infrastructure. If the infrastructure never breaks... Then we don't have any reason to spend billions of dollars on it. So to fix got econ- to put people to work. But I, I'm saying it's oh. breaking though. You're seeing it though. Yep.
2: Now that's that's it's, some megamine energy oh, over yeah. there.
4: because people are put to work to fix this stuff that breaks. If you get something that doesn't break, then you don't need to hire these people to fix the economy that have to fix the roads.
5: Randy, can, can that technology be, be maybe pertain to certain diseases?
4: Yes, and cancer is one of them, right? Hmm. There's a strong belief. That one of the reasons that cancer will never be cured, this is a conspiracy theory that I've heard, that one of the reasons is that there's so much money to be made from A, researching cancer, and B selling pharmaceuticals that would ostensibly help people live longer.
5: Hmm. Yes. People say that's I gonna heard. cost a lot of money. But think about the money you yes. save. This is all this is there's it's a there's money. a it's push. It's about spending And that's why Randy gets down to the thing. I would say, well, people would save a lot of money on, you know, car costs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, maybe I wouldn't mind paying a little bit more for the road maintenance. You know, I'm okay with that. I am if, too. if, if I if you're telling me you're you're, you're my road t- the tax my taxes are gonna go up a little bit, but it means I'm not gonna have to worry about driving on ice at all during the winter, that's that's a very that's a that's a Yeah. trade off that I'm completely willing to make. We can do this, people. We have the technology. We made the $6 million man. We can do this. Yes. Oh, we did. Bigger, stronger, faster. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Stop doing that with cars and just make that with roads. (laughs)
2: Bigger, stronger, faster. I also need to defend myself a little bit, because somebody's coming after me about what I said about the potholes, which, I mean, potholes, I will, I do understand how expensive all this is, Mm -hmm. to your point, Randy. And that's why it's really hard to want all this stuff, because it's really expensive to fix roads. Somebody said, "Well, hey, Brooke, if the concrete didn't freeze, we wouldn't have potholes. Heat the concrete. Yeah, that's true. there, but there's more that causes. There's, other yeah. there's yeah. water. Yeah. Traffic causes potholes, yeah. not just right. ice and right. snow.
4: So, if you're given the ability to have a bionic eye, bion- great sight, bionic ear, Thank you. great hearing, Thank you. bionic arm, so that you can throw a car, or bionic legs, so that you can run sixty miles an hour, what are you taking?
2: Ooh." I don't know, eyes or ears.
4: I don't. I, I would love to be able to lift stuff and throw it.
2: That's what, <laughs> you like just want to run a, around lift like Hole? a car
4: and throw it. Yeah. I think I would probably. I, but it,
2: with ears, then you could hear everything.
4: Everything. But do you want to hear everything? Because it might bother you.
2: But then you can use it to your advantage, kind yeah. of like limitless. Did you watch that movie? No, I didn't. You, did you watch that movie? Yes, I've seen
5: Limitless. Okay.
4: Like
2: that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Where he has, like, everything is amplified, his his sight, his hearing, everything.
5: There you go. And, and here's the thing. I know he, Heated Road seems like the easy one, but, like, to the point, I'm, I'm, I am I'm was thinking about this when I was driving home, like, because I, I was driving home late at, uh, on Saturday night. The roads were very empty, but you know, they weren't that easy to drive on just because of the wind and everything like that. And my thought process was, like, why do we not have, like, a drone? Like out here at like 2 a.m., that's just kind of like heating, the, you know, just kind of melting, you know, big chunks of ice on the roads so we don't have to deal with it. Because I'm thinking, well, these roads are going to be empty for the next eight hours. If there's any precipitation, everything's going to freeze over, and tomorrow morning's going to be dangerous for people. So I don't even say, so maybe you're saying because we're getting people saying, well, are, you'd have to tear up all the roads and then rebuild them all, which honestly isn't a bad it start. It night, it? That would last forever. That would. Then you can't spend money on them. But then you're right. Then Mm. they last forever, and then you can't spend money on them. We're just figuring things out here. Look, this is a dilemma for me.
2: uh, Oh, are you going back to the bionic? This
5: is a $6 million man,
4: yeah.
2: Well, and then somebody sent in that they would want a bionic arm, because then you could be a one-man Starting rotation, one man pitching staff. Yeah, snap.
5: true.
4: Good point. point.
2: We
5: actually are getting stick to sports, in from the text line.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you gotta be freaking kidding hey, me, hey, my guys! Hey, hey. You have we're, to be kidding me at this point. We're solving world problems is, over here. What is wrong with what we're doing? Okay, yeah. this, uh, we're we more than just sports.
4: We are. We can actually solve world yeah. problems.
2: If you did, you watch the Barbie movie where I it's did. like you have. Ken does beach. Ken does that. Mm-hmm. We're more than just sports. We're more than just sports. We are. Ken I, and Barbies. I'm,
5: I'm so sad. I failed at this segment because every other previous Hill to Die On, I guess my premise was so wildly ridiculous that all of the why are you not talking about sports right now textures were just overwhelmed to be like, you're, you're a moron. Stop talking about this. Mm-hmm. We didn't get any of those in previous Hills to Die On, and now we've gotten multiple People talking Stricted about sports. stick to sports because I I'm, we, I, ex- I, all <laughs> I'm saying is we need to defeat, we need to outscore, we need to really, we need to work on our ground game and our air game against snow and ice. Okay. Is that better?
4: Yeah. Oh
2: man! Clearly,
4: this... our listenership has carried over rather than bringing in McCurdens. <laughs> 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 Which is fine. We we love you, people. Uh, You've you're, 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 you're been here are, for this hour. Have a
2: can you at least give us like a preview? I know we need to get out, but can you at least give us a preview of nope. like what your other topic was?
5: Nope. Because Something. I feel
2: like that one probably was going to be more in line with yeah. like your. Oh, it would have. Yeah, it would have gotten
5: a lot of yeah. people angry. I, I've I've made little comments like this uh, like before, but I was going to go a lot bigger on this. Randy, comment, use but your no. power
2: to get it out of him. Come on.
5: No, I'm good on that one. That's um. the one. That's the. One, there's one thing <laughs> yeah. I am. There's one thing I am very stringent about. It's that when somebody tells me don't don't get fired, okay, I don't get good. fired.
4: I am going to just shut up and dribble.
2: <laughs> is that that's kind of like interesting that we can empathize with that now? Yeah, we can. Yeah.
4: That's right. Next up, what's on tap oh before BK God. and Ferrario here on one one ESPN?
3: <laughs> what?
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on
3: 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Blues
4: and Flyers pregame at 6 o'clock tonight and the action at 7 with Curbs and Joey. You'll want to be tuned in for that on the radio and then on TV this afternoon, 3.30 on Channel 4 here in St. Louis. Uh, new, What's it called? First Alert 4. That's, First you, alert you don't remember anymore. You, they changed it on you.
2: Uh, Yeah, they did. I can't remember what it was. They used to
4: watch out for us. Watching out for you. Yes. yes. Now they don't watch out for us Yeah, I was part of that. I was part
2: of the watching out for you. you, So I I carried that over. And then
4: you leave. Yes. And they don't watch out for anybody anymore. No, they don't. They just want to give us alerts.
2: I think that says a lot. I think so, too. Because I'm so watching out for you.
4: You, Thank you. Appreciate that. Can you
5: do the
2: point? What, watching when out they, for when they, like
5: four, like when they do, like, four. When oh, they do, oh. like, four. That, <laughs> that
4: was five. That was five. We did that one. That was five. Five and one. God, yeah. that one
2: I never weird. made the cut for the <laughs> promotions. <Yeah>. So. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, anyway, this afternoon on, the, on Channel 4, the Bills are a 10-point favorite over the Steelers. 38-and-a-half is the over-under. With the weather, I am going to take the under in this game. But I think Buffalo covers. I think Buffalo wins this game something like 21 to 10.
2: Mm, 21 to 10 you say yeah, that'll
4: get us up to 31 so i'm going to take the under but i think buffalo covers maybe 24 to 10. Ah, uh, kicking is going to be at a premium. Yeah, I'm going to go 21 to 10.
2: What is it about the Steelers offense that gives you pause, Randy? <laughs> <laughs> what whatever could yeah. make you question yeah. them, the yeah. Steelers yeah. offense? Historic. ineptness. I can I, uh, <laughs> can, I ch- can I check my bets with you guys? Yeah. My bet
5: with you guys really quickly. I'm I'm doing these bets by the way on underdog fantasy. I talked about it earlier today. Okay. Yeah. So I, I went higher and lower across all these stats. Najee Harris 16.5 rushing attempts. I went higher, lower mm-hmm. on Mason Rudolph nine passing first downs. Okay.
4: Oh wait, that's Josh, a, that's free money.
5: Yeah, Josh Allen one and a half sacks taken. I think he slips at least in the ground and just gets tagged okay. down at least twice. Uh-huh. And then higher one and a half Dawson Knox receptions. Just because at some point he's yep. going to do the old Ben Roethlisberger. Oh my God, where's my tight end throw? At least right. two times in that game. Yeah, so those, no, those are my bets going into this game because I think it's just going to be a slog. Yeah. My entries, I should say.
4: Yeah, I I like those. Okay, so uh, who do you guys have in the game itself then?
5: Uh, Bills, the Bills. Okay, and do they <laughs> yeah. cover
4: the ten? Like I said.
5: Yeah. I, I think so. It, it'll I do. probably be a little nerve wracking because yeah. it's not going to be a good game. Well, no. and
4: ha- not having TJ Watt, I think it's amazing what a pass rusher can do. I think it's a game if TJ Watt is there. I don't think it's a game because TJ Watt isn't there. Exactly. All right. So, Eagles and Bucks tonight. Eagles on the road, a three point favorite. I'm assuming that Baker Mayfield is going to play.
2: From all the reports, it seems like it. What just freaked me out is that I thought that I knew he had the rib injury, but they always kind of made it seem like that wasn't going to hold Mm -hmm. him back. But then it seemed like this weekend the talks amplified of him being questionable. But is that more of a tactic to maybe throw the Eagles off a little bit?
4: I think if you're the Eagles, you have to prepare for Mayfield, and then you just—I don't even know who the backup is right now. Uh, That's a
2: great question. because it's not Tampa. Blaine Gabbard anymore. Can no,
4: and I know that they have uh, the old uh, Kyle Trask, but I think he's their number three. They have somebody that has actually played before that is their backup.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: But I I know A.J. Brown is out. I, yesterday on ESPN, I think it was Randy Moss saying that he thinks Julio Jones can be an impact player tonight. I just, I think Philadelphia's lost their mojo.
2: I do too. And I, I'm going to go with Tampa
4: like... Bay to win this game outright.
2: I, I am too. I Just because simply the Eagles collapse that we have seen after such a great start to the mm-hmm. season Amazing for them to collapse in this way. And they even, I, I have to say this, selfishly, Randy, I somewhat enjoy it. You want to know why? because the Eagles kept taking some of my favorite Titans players. Oh, that's fair enough. That, so, I think that's good reasoning. And they took A.J. Brown. Things are not working out, I guess, maybe, with A.J. Brown and the Eagles. There might be a little bit of a kerfuffle there, and obviously mm-hmm. he's going to be out due to injury in the game. And then Kevin Byer just really hasn't panned out well on their defense or fit in yet.
4: Right. And th- that might have hurt them from a chemistry standpoint. Maybe yes. that's part of the right part I of the do problems like
2: Jalen Hurts a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't dislike the Eagles, but I'm just saying... It is nice that it works out a little bit that
4: way. A little karma. Kyle Trask is their backup, by the way, in Tampa. And John Wolford, the old Rams backup, is ostensibly their number three. I don't know who would take Mayfield's spot if Mayfield can't go. But (coughs) I'm going to say that Mayfield is going to be there. And I think Mike Evans will have a big game. And I think Godwin will have a big game. And I think Tampa wins this game outright. But I think it's relatively close Mm -hmm. because that's just who they are. They play great defense. So I'm going to say that Tampa wins this game at home 24 to 20.
2: Oh. I, I got to
5: go with the Eagles on this one.
2: Really? I mean when
5: you when you have when you have the uh, just a better Team in the trenches, I think. I think that comes out in the playoffs, and I think the, mm-hmm. the Eagles' defensive line hasn't been what it was last year, but there's still a lot of talent there. I think they probably, you know, they probably over, overload every spot that isn't Tristan Wirfs on the Buccaneers' offensive line and, and get to field a couple times. And then I think when it comes down to it, maybe they pull back on the offensive play calling a little bit, and say let's not try to throw it, and let's just let's just run this ball down their throat because we got the five hog mollies in front. Let's let's make it work. I think it'll be a fast game. I think both teams are going to try to run it, mm-hmm. even
4: though. Both teams have capable wide receivers. Devontae Smith, Julio Jones on one side, plus Goddard being back. And then, as we mentioned, Evans and, and Godwood on the other side.
2: Yeah. I I still feel like the Bucks are going to have it just because of the Eagles collapse. It yeah. just feels like things have not been working out well for them. And then their defense. We've talked about it a mm-hmm. lot. Their defense is just not doing what it should be doing this season, especially right. towards the end. Yeah.
4: So uh, you will be able to see that game tonight with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. On ESPN, we've got BK Ferrario coming up, and then the Fast Lane from two to six here on 101 ESPN. Danny Mack will be with us back in the morning tomorrow. Great job today by our producer, audio and video engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, <laughs> wasn't this fun working till eleven?
2: It was. We figured it yeah. out at like
4: what nine fifty nine that I, we were that's working So bad 11? on us, but it I is. like
2: how we both realize it at the same time. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> and, how about that? And how we do do prep work tonight. Yeah, and we, we missed it.
4: We were somewhat prepared.
5: <laughs> Randy, it's Randy because he, he goes everything off the grid, and the grid is one sheet. So there's yeah. no <laughs> hiding the 10 o'clock hour, and it's just staring at him. In the f- he even said Rock's Hilda down when we were going to rock and roll because it's on the paper yeah. in front of him. It's, nobody ever
4: accused me of being too smart. <laughs>
2: But oh, so talented and man! We just we need to stick to sports. Legs like I did not expect. I tell Let's, you what,
4: watch out, Raquel Welch.
5: She got him coming for you.
4: <laughs> oh yeah, I'm wearing my Reeses. If you want to go back and watch our YouTube uh, re-air uh, the, on the Air Alliance Team uh, YouTube channel, you can, and you can see my Reese's socks and yeah.
2: your tan legs. I yeah. pointed that out. I was like, Randy, your legs are really tan. <laughs> yeah. Randy,
5: Randy decided in the middle of the show to call the cab in a 1950s movie.
6: I cannot Thank you for tuning in Texting and being
4: a part of the show For all of us until tomorrow morning at 7 Have a great Martin Luther King Day St. Louis
1: And now for something completely different You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast On 101 ESPN And ESPN.com
3: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers